The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash Media. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode number 156. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by Chris Raygun, who apparently is dressed up as uh, ACG today. So how are you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. I, had to, I had to make sure to like fill in the void. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I'm doing all right. I, I was just outside and uh, I don't know where my normal, normal glasses are. I misplaced them. <laughs> so this is, this is just That's how it awesome. is today. Yeah. So you, you put on your Delson Row slash acg uh <laughs> costume well welcome yeah. how you doing uh i'm doing good i'm uh, having a good time you know just uh You're having a good time <laughs> i'm having a good time man you know just just chilling going with the flow you know cool when are you are you ever gonna leave california uh yeah i, I mean i don't want to be here <laughs> so yeah. like I'm, I'm sure i'll i'll definitely get the hell out of here eventually but all right well fair enough that's a pretty logical conclusion i think Dustin Furman, executive producer of Last Stand Media, also a co-host of Sacred Symbols. How are you today, my friend? I'm I'm adequate. I'm neither oh. good nor bad. I'm just kind of yeah. like waiting in the water, which I guess yeah. is good. It, things that's why I wish you got to keep in perspective. You could be, you know, hungry or homeless or or something. So I guess I am doing good in that context. Well, I'm happy to see you, and you're wearing your PlayStation shirt. I'm also wearing my play one of my PlayStation shirts Uh-oh. here. Just it was on top of the pile. It's time. I was thinking that I kind of need to buy some new T-shirts because indeed I don't buy clothes like I just don't buy clothes. And so I have a shit ton of T-shirts. But if you actually go back and watch videos from even like IGN and obviously kind of funny, you see me sit wearing the same exact things like over and over and over again because I just don't care that much. And so, you know what I was thinking would be a fun shirt? And I'm going to look into see if, if it exists or if it'll get can get it made, which would be an Astra shirt with the logo from Returnal on it, the company, like the oh. corporation. Yeah, like cool shirts like that. So that's what I kind of want to look into with some neat stuff like that. And by the way, did you guys if you guys pre-ordered Ratchet and Clank, you may have gotten a five dollar coupon in the in your email for the PlayStation merch store. And there's like a bunch of new merch over there. So 
So maybe I'll buy some of that as well. I don't know. Or maybe I was just a lucky one. There was a coupon in my box for the physical, for the the PlayStation store or like an oh, ad or something. There you so go. that's interesting. There must be some kind of oh, initiative. Yeah, that must be like some kind of promotion thing they're doing. Weird. That's nice. Yeah. So wear some merch if you want. All right. So Sacred Symbols, our weekly PlayStation podcast. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. More than 12,000 of you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Media. Could not do it without you. Thank you so much. Early ad-free access to our show, exclusive access to our Sacred Symbols Plus supplemental episodes, which will start going live twice a week beginning in July. I'm super excited about that because now we're going to begin rolling out more interviews and more spoiler casts without sacrificing our ability as well to both like react to things on the fly and let people do mailbags and all that. It's going to be cool. I'm stoked about it. Uh, yeah. So last week was uh, our very first episode of Sacred Symbols Cross Defining Duke. We had Mr. Matty Plays on to talk about E3 and the rest of the year how we feel about things from an Xbox and PlayStation perspective. Next week, we're doing the Resident Evil Village spoiler cast. I have here in the notes Returnal. I guess I have it out of order, though. Dustin saved me today. I forgot to, to actually edit it. So I think, what is it, Dustin? Over the next five weeks or so, we're just going to do a spoiler cast every week, I think, right? It's like, it's right. like Ratchet, Which I know that Returnal, that... and uh, like a bunch of other shit too, Resident Evil. Right. I'll have a to look of, at... A lot of our games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ratchet Returnal Resident Evil, damn. So yeah, I believe I, I'll have to check the schedule. I believe the so next week is Resident Evil, and I think the week after that is Returnal. And then uh yeah, we have those other games scheduled, I'll say that. But I think one of the key things for the audience to know is that why this works out is that, like you said, before it was like we didn't want to do spoiler cast every week because those don't always appeal to everybody. But now right. with the uh, two episodes a week. You know, we can we can kind of we've got a backlog of spoiler cast. So we're going to just plow through those. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, we're going to plow through. Them. Hell yeah. <laughs> I do love doing spoiler cast and review discussions, but they are actually amongst some of them are amongst like the worst performing Sacred Symbols Plus episodes, too. So it's because people like just like off the cuff conversation and all of that as well. But I really miss delving deeper into games in a way. I don't feel like the show is really the appropriate place to do so necessarily. So we'll keep doing that. And uh, we appreciate your support over there. And we, of course, make those free eventually for all. So we want to make as much of our stuff available for everyone eventually. But most Sacred Symbols Plus episodes will, of course, remain only for patrons. Thank you for your support over there. Of course, merch as well. Uh, LastStandMedia.shop. A couple of notes to get through. Last week, we talked about Deathloop. And I had mentioned that there, it seems as if Deathloop will be a PlayStation 5 console exclusive. There's interesting stuff around um, this, and I wanted to I wanted to clarify two things. First of all, and this is true, Deathloop has never been literally announced for Xbox yet, but uh, Ghostwire Tokyo has been. But if mm -hmm. you look at various notes and like the little parentheticals everywhere, and at the end of like the stingers of, then it says like you know console exclusivity ends after a year. So it sounds like it's like a Final Fantasy VII like situation where it'll maybe come eventually. But I was trying to draw a contrast between those two games. Because even if you go to the Wikipedia pages for those two games, you'll note that there's ex explicit citations of the Xbox announcements, but no explicit citation of the death of the uh, Deathloop announcement. And I thought that was just interesting. So I wanted to clarify because some people were mm -hmm. confused. We'll see what happens. Also, this is an even better yeah. clarification from Patreon. Daniel, the awesome... <laughs> uh, Daniel, the awesome wrote in said, hello, boys. Just a comment on last week's episode. Chris said Cesar Romero zombies mixing up George Romero, the zombie guy with Cesar Romero, the Joker <laughs> from the 1960s Batman show. I'm still chuckling at the idea of Adam West punching zombies over a groovy soundtrack. I, I didn't notice that, but people wrote in about that. And that is, that is an awesome 
error, Chris. So congratulations on that. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> those are the only Romeros that I'm even remotely aware of. So of course I would get those two mixed up. Yeah, it's Caesar Romero, of course, classic rendition of Joker. Classic Joker. So years ago. A couple other things to get through here, boys, before we move into more uh, state affairs. Sonic's birthday. Sonic the Hedgehog. 30th anniversary has just come and gone and come again because it's Sonic and furries like Sonic. What do you guys think, Chris? How are you feeling about uh, Sonic's Sonic has turned 30 years old. Well, you know, Sonic certainly exists. And that is uh, something that, you know, you'll you'll never be able to take that away from him. Yeah, but uh, I can't I, I didn't even realize this was a thing. I saw somebody like somebody on my Twitter on my Twitter feed was like, did they do like some orchestra thing? Like, yeah, did they do like some? They did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, I saw somebody on Twitter that like, I'm crying at this orchestra for Sonic. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh my God, God help us. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that fucking that we, rules. Yeah. That we, rules. I, we shit on Sonic a lot, but I mean, like, people love it and it's like, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, 30 years is actually kind of insane. It's actually, it actually makes me feel ancient. Yeah. June 23rd, 1991 was when it came to Genesis. And of course, for those that don't know their gaming history, how dare you? Genesis came out actually in 1989 and Sonic was not a launch game. Uh, it basically came out. They rebundled the Genesis and saved it because it was really floundering. And so it's actually a really interesting story. And from that perspective, yeah. from the marketing and business perspective, it's, it's quite, quite neat. So congratulations yeah. to Sega. They still exist today. They're making a new cartoon, though. Like, what is that? Yeah, they're making a cartoon. So I'm, I was just looking at Nintendo Life website, NintendoLife.com. Apparently, there is a Netflix series called Sonic Prime that may or may not be happening. And someone apparently shared some um, concept art they did for it or whatever. I don't know. So, uh, And obviously, they're making a new big AAA Sonic game for 2022 that I think will be more in line with like Sonic Adventure. And they've talked about that as well. So happy birthday, Sonic. Get off my screen. Okay, PS4. Firmware, new update, 8.52, that's live. I think you'll need to download it if you want to play, so you might want to be aware of that. And I wanted to revisit, of course, Blue Box and Kojima real quick. Alex Bolton wrote into us on Patreon. Remember, you can write into us on Patreon as well. He says, hey there, boys. Gut check on who still believes Blue Box is Kojima. I think Schreier, he's talking about Jason Schreier's article is a red herring. I don't trust words from a man with a voice that high pitch. (laughs) Kojima (laughs) is caraman, and nothing will stop me from believing that. Believe. Who has the high-pitched voice? Jason or, or uh, Hassan? I know. I haven't uh, talked Shrier, to Jason. He doesn't have, does he have a high-pitched voice? I guess maybe. maybe. I don't, I don't, oh, I, really I don't know. I, I wouldn't know. He blocked me on everything, so I don't know. Yeah, I've me never, too. I uh, interacted with him. But, man, this whole thing is is uh, really wild. Let's get a gut check here because so it seems like we, we were talking about the could-bes and would-bes last week, and there seems to be much more clarity this week that it seems like this is maybe something that got really far away from someone. But I still feel like there's just so I was talking to Micah about it last night when we were eating dinner. I I just feel like there's so much weird about it that it will always be weird. Like, I don't know that I'm ever fully going to believe that this game is what they say it's going to be until I literally see it because it's just too strange. Chris, what's your what's your gut telling you now? I don't know. Well, my gut's like, well, they showed the guy, you know, the the dude who everybody thought was Kojima and he just seems he he doesn't seem like a game developer. He seems too handsome. Uh, so <laughs> my like my gut check is that this is uh, this is still something something still really weird, dude. I we I know we talked about this before, but like if this isn't 
if this isn't what people think it is, then they they just totally fucked this studio up by running with this this premise. Like, why would you tweet out like, "Oh, our game begins in S and ends in L" if you didn't? Like, surely, first of all, who would care if it's not something that's established? You know, I I don't know. They they made so many bad calls. If this is uh, if this is really just an incompetent marketing team at like an at an indie developer. Although somebody did point out to me. Uh, they were like, hey, Chris, uh, you know, it else begins with an S and N's and L splinter cell. So oh. that is my theory. This is actually an independent splinter cell game. Uh, Michael Ironside has become a game developer and he's making it. He's making it out of his own pocket. He's gone rogue. I will say he's this. He's gone rogue. <laughs> I've always, I'm glad you brought that up because because uh, I've been thinking about the S and the L thing. And. There are a ton of words that start with S and end with L, but they're so called nonsense. I mean, if you look at it, super individual, stratigraphical, spectroscopical, servo mechanical. Like, so I was like pouring through all of that. And I'm like, so what the hell? How would we even guess what the fuck it is? You're, so that was my big thing. You're right, Chris, where it's like, OK, you want us to guess. We have no idea what your game will be. Everyone's going to make the, make it seem like it's Silent Hill. And then when you look at things where you could just make a guess, none of it makes sense. What is your is your game called? Um, Spatic floral, spatic floral, civicultural. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't. I, I'm just looking at this wordkeg.com cool website where you can like look for things that begin with one letter and end with one letter or whatever the case might be. So <laughs> I love that's a specific website. And so I, I just, I, I just think it's too weird. I agree with you. Also, it sounds so conspiratorial. Like we said last week, it, it really is like, um, you know, the the uh, always sunny in Philadelphia conspiracy board, but. I just feel like it's just so strange. Even their connections, like someone had brought up to us. So the guy had a failed Kickstarter that made $250 and that attracted the, the attention of Sony. What? That's fucking nonsense. Like it, it's, there is, it just doesn't make sense whether or not the game's real or not, whether the studio, obviously the dude exists in some way, obviously, but it's just weird. Why would that attract Sony? Why would your failed $200 Kickstarter attract Sony and not only attract Sony, but they're giving you enough money to hire, and this is the, the point of what Mike and I were talking about last night, where I'm like, he's talking about all of these extraneous for hire studios that usually do ghost work on games and don't often get credit. These studios are everywhere. They work on huge games for Sony and others. This is a, an extravagance that only the biggest games typically get. It's not common to go to say, like, we're going to get a $100 million budget on our game and we'll give you another $25 million, just as an example, to go hire help so they can do like the environment art and you can contract them to do this, that and the other thing. So he's working with studios that have worked on Death Stranding, that have worked on other big Sony exclusives. And it's like, so who are you? Why are you attracting all of this? We get these big yeah. letters from Sony saying, like, we're getting Jade Raymond and the guys that worked on Black Ops and all these things. And then also where we we were attracted to they haven't said Sony hasn't said anything themselves, but like we're, we're led to believe that they're making a PS5 exclusive that attracted Sony from a failed 2015 Kickstarter that begins with an S and ends with an L. I, I don't. So I'm not saying it's true or it's not. It's just fucking weird. It's just weird. I don't know what else to it say is, about it. Yeah, it's just a, a mess. It, it, I feel like they probably wanted, uh, like, if if this is really just an in, independent dev that just, like, totally fucked up, I feel like it was just like, oh, we should run with this. And then, like, it slowly, like, snowballed out of hand. It's like, whoa. Like, I was just joking. But, like, uh, <laughs> we we really dug ourselves into a hole here. God help them, you know? Did you? Yeah, it's... I'm sorry, Dustin, go ahead, please. Well, I was just going to say, did you guys see the new video from last night that they posted? 
because we were Colin, you were talking about the the external developers they're working right. with. They they posted this video that says a message from I think it's Noir. Is that how you yeah. say this? Noir. Yeah, and they've worked in Sony. Like they work on first party games. They worked on The Last well, of Us. Here's okay. Here's the thing about this video about this. First of all, it's just weird that this is this is how you present some like. Is this supposed to be a proof on a platter here for us? This video. But here's the thing about the video. Okay, I worked in video production for seven, eight years. This video was professionally shot, or at least to some degree. It was a professional camera. There, It was shot as a professional lens, as bokeh effect, whatever. It's not like RTX filtering or whatever. It also even also has a special, like they have lighting. There's a blue light on the left side of the guy. So first of all, that's just a little weird because remember last year's Xbox presentation where they had all these developers and they were recording <laughs> with like 480p webcams? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So I'm not saying this developer doesn't have a pro camera, but it's just, that's one thing. If you listen to this video with headphones, no one has pointed this out. There is a clicking sound, like a metronome or a clock. Now, <laughs> here's why this is confusing to me. Listen, okay. it's Morse code. Here's, That'd well, be awesome. It's like, Jer- it's like the beginning of Jericho. <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, let's say he's got a lav mic. So someone, whoever shot this, has some kind of professional level gear. They got a lav mic. Not that that's expensive or whatever, but like if I was shooting this back at my old job, we would have, you know, set the scene up, got the camera set up, maybe did some lighting, which is everything they did, get the lav ready. And then you put on headphones and you listen back to hear if there's anything in the room that is picking up audio. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. So if there was a fucking clock or a metronome going, you would do something about it. So I am I am very confused just first of all, by the production value of this weird video. And then, like I said, is this supposed to be some kind of proof? Like, again, over and over, if if they wanted to fix this situation, they could. Sony yeah, could definitely. say, you know, especially since they're partnered with Sony, you think Sony would want to get ahead of this, whatever. And the one last point I want to make, guys, I'm, I'm really curious what you think about this, because I said this on my stream, and I think it resonated with people. Let's say this is Kojima, or this is some kind of ruse, right? When it is revealed, there will be backlash because there are people that have dug in on Twitter and been like, oh, you guys are hara- the harassment. Finally, let's put this to bed. This is what happens when gamers on the Internet go too crazy with stuff. I'm just like the, the Kotaku article is coming. If this is Kojima, that's like Kojima took it too far. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's well, inevitable that, going I, I to think, happen. But I think that article is going to come either way, though, from this in the sense that they're going to just write that article and say, like, gamers took it too far. Right. Kojima took it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I'm even looking at J- uh, Jason Schreier's Bloomberg article. It's, if you guys want to look it up, it's called out there. What is Blue Box? A vast conspiracy grips the video game world. I agree. First of all, I don't think I'm a little surprised because Jason actually is a really good interviewer. He didn't really ask any interesting questions. Like there are a bunch of things you could have asked to immediately just have ascertained details i'm sure he didn't you know spit out everything that the guy said but they talked for an hour and this is all you got the hell are you talking about for an yeah. hour i i just feel like i need so i just the mystery is funny i think anyone can agree that there are so many strange tendrils that you'd be foolish not to be to wonder what the hell is going on here the Hassan equals Hideo thing or whatever. Caraman equals Hideo thing. That is a fucking cosmic. If that's a coincidence, that is. And it could be weird things happen constantly. But yeah, that is a cosmic thing. And you can't blame people for seeing that and being like, uh, and it's not like they just went through like 
Google Translate to try to make it work from one language to another. They went from Turkish, Hassan Karaman is a Turkish name, to Japanese, Hideo Kojima. And that's what happened. So it's not like they went like they like scrolled through and like, you know, uh, Ukrainian and uh, Portuguese. And then we translated to English and then back to Japanese. And it says Hideo. Like, no, it's, it's not that crazy. So I'm not going to let it go. I just feel like there's um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if it's Konami or Kojima or whatever. But I agree with you, Dustin. Sony could have nipped this in the bud a long time ago. There might be two reasons, to be fair, why Sony doesn't want to do this. The first thing is that they could be way overstating their entire involvement with Sony. As I told you last week, I have a dev kit. So it's not a big deal. Anyone can get one. You just buy it. You have to sign up and buy it. So proof of working on a quote unquote PS5 exclusive is nothing. But he did get a PlayStation blog post. That's something. And he's working with support studios, which means he has money to spend even though no one's ever heard of his team or anyone that's worked on it. So I said what I said last week, and I'll say what I, again when I say this week. I want to believe. Yeah. And I'll go down with the ship. What it's do that, I care? Uh, it's meaningless. Who cares? What if he's just really good at using those $250 that he got from the, uh, the Kickstarter or whatever? Yeah, mm. I mean, he's been, he bought Bitcoin <laughs> oh. in 2015. That's well, not even impossible. One other, like, <laughs> one other, like, mildly interesting thing to point out just because someone in my twitch pointed this out do you guys remember there was those rumors about uh blooper team and silent hill yeah that seemed pretty strong so it's like i wonder if maybe that's the silent hill game maybe do they have two I, silent hill games coming could like, be. i just i hope that that's not true just because me too. why blooper team like no offense but they're not very good i mean layers of fear is a respectable walking simulator horror series it's cool but i don't think like blair witch or the medium or anything set the world on fire it's just a weird association there are better horror studios you would think that they would go to someone like you know tango gameworks or again go to sony and and there's not that many horror teams that can really handle it or red barrels or something like someone right that's what i was thinking yeah so i don't know so i just want to reiterate gut check for me i don't know if it's kojima or konami Probably not, but I think something's up with this game. I think something has got to be up with this game. I think it's too weird. Got check, Chris. What do you say? Uh, I think whenever this is revealed, it's n- no one's going to be happy. <laughs> I think Fair that's enough. my gut. My gut check is uh, this is going to be disappointing on on some level. Because even if it is, even if it is Kojima, it's like, dude, the amount of channels and because uh, th- it's got to be like, you got to wonder how many people are in on this if it's kojima because it's just like it seems right now that like he has to have so many people in on it that it would be inconceivable that this wouldn't have leaked already you know like just the amount of channels that have to go through like no no it's it's we're a real team it's i'm a real person i'm i'm a game dev really even though i'm really hygienic and photogenic you know it doesn't make sense nothing adds up i i feel like there's some weird stuff out there, too. Like, remember the Jeff Keighley video where someone asked him if he got in touch? And he's like, yeah. Oh, Hassan Karaman messaged me he's months like, ago. Hassan, he's like this. Yeah. Like, he's got. The, yeah, it's like, yeah. The oh, yeah. Smile, the Hassan like, Karaman. Everyone knows who that is. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's too it's too weird, man. So if, if it is my like just is nothing, it's, yeah. it's too it's too much. It's too much. Like, I can't my, I can't turn my mind off to not think that that's a conspiracy when there's just all this evidence. What do you want from me? It's not like we've crossed, crossed the Rubicon. I don't think it's like that crazy. To, to Anyway, uh, Dustin, what is your gut check? You're a toxic gamer, Colin, because you're spurring on the conspiracy. So just, yeah, just saying. It. But um, 
don't don't uh, spur on the conspiracy that I can't that I give a shit about that. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh man, people I don't know. I'm I am leaning towards dude the key I'm glad you brought up the Keeley thing because Keeley was in on Kojima's last ruse as well, right. like very directly. And you saw that stupid smile. I, I love Keeley. I love you. You had that goofy smile and all these other things. You know, I'll balance out the pod, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I feel I, I feel that I know. I know what you mean, like because he was talking. And wasn't there a conspiracy, too, that he put up a, a message or something saying he got it months ago, but the message would have only appeared as it would appear on Twitter the day it was sent. So there's like he lied about that message. He, dude, yeah. I, okay. I mean, sorry to mention the dark place, but on a uh, reset era, <laughs> he there were posts about where he was he had posted screenshots. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got this DM. And I, I can't remember the exact specifics, but like Twitter shows your DMs based on how long, how old they are. And it was clear that he lied like he would have had to have got the message from Hassan that was a no name guy and then screenshotted it that day and then held on to it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. there's something up. Sense. And I just feel like Sony's silence, I think, is I think so Sony's silence is actually the biggest either huge complicity or that this is what they want. And it's interesting. We'll see what happens. It could be that the Sasan Caraman guy is like the head of a new team that is making a game. I don't know. I just don't think that they've dispelled it adequately. And I actually think him, the various things like you brought up with the video and the, and the support team and Keeley and. This guy still, it should be noted that this guy also tweeted out that video again in the middle of the night. It's just, it's just weird. I don't know. It's like, why are you doing this over and over and over again? But I, what Chris has said is true. I, I, I really feel for them in a way because it's just going to be bad if, yeah. if this is like some bullshit, which it could be, it could also be some Sony bullshit. It, it doesn't have to be not Sony bullshit. It could be Sony bullshit. Like where they just totally misjudged the room and misread everything. And then they're like, oh, no, yeah. we're making some game called, you know, semi-circular or whatever the fuck. Like, okay, or whatever. That, 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 that wouldn't even work. Semi-cyclical. Yeah. There you go. That's what it's called. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I thought this was funny and I know that you, I think Chris commented on this on Twitter Marvel yeah. Avengers on PlayStation 5 had a it's hot fixed now, so it's 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 no longer doing this, but was displaying its players IP addresses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Holy God. Shit. What? What a wild bug, man. That's mm. the, it's just like, by the way, if you stream this game, <laughs> we will dox you. <laughs> uh, crazy. Well, I've never seen that in any online game, by the way. That is that is actually sincerely wild. 
Did you see how they didn't even admit? Oh, wait, no, they did. And their initial one, they did not say like the player's IP address. Because I saw a video where they were, they're like some person, some technical information displayed on screen, which it's like, dude, they should have shut down the servers. They should have shut the game down because people were, let's say you didn't see that tweet and then you go and stream it and then you get doxxed. Like, yeah. I mean, I would imagine most human beings didn't see that tweet. So, like, yeah, that is a reasonable, <laughs> reasonable assumption. People aren't uh, most people who are I, I would imagine most people who are playing Avengers like hardcore probably aren't following uh, Crystal Dynamics on Twitter. You know, like I would imagine these are a lot of like, you know, casual people who are just like, I'll jump in for a little bit. Probably don't even know what Twitter is. You know, I, I've just I've never seen a game with such a weird like what a weird bug for a, for a live service game. Like I've never seen this like ever. How is it even coded that way? It's just fucking funny. This game, $69 million or whatever the hell was it? Is that what it was? Like something that like they that? lost. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Square Enix still, still in the black. So good for them. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanted to, th- to throw out that EA play, which is going to be an electronic arts, obviously show for the publisher is happening July 22nd. They're going to make some new announcements there. We're going to talk about a massive rumor coming out of that show the pre-show there in the news shortly before we get into what we're playing though i did want to ask you guys about this stuff circulating recently with bobby kodak obviously the head of activision longtime head of activision there are these um i guess there's a lot of just conversation about executive pay in the industry how much people are making not only at activision but also at electronic arts and i'm just wondering what you guys think dustin i'll go to you first like what do you think is do you think it's appropriate to make potentially tens and tens of millions of dollars a year in what some people would call excessive executive pay, even though your salary, actually Kodak's salary is below a million dollars a year? He makes all of his money mostly on um, dividends and bonuses, but they also laid off a ton of people, you know, 2% or so of their company last year. Right. So I'm just wondering, do you think that this is a conversation, a broader conversation worth happening, having in the industry about what would be looked at as excessive pay? I'll try to stick to what I feel like I can authoritatively, or at least somewhat, maybe it's opinion, but whatever, is that to me, the thing about this conversation is that people are like, oh, uh, Bobby Kodak's making this much and these people got laid off as if his money is directly taken from the people that were laid off. And that's just, Mm -hmm. to me, simply not how that works. Those people, Activision is a business and they try to run and be as efficient as possible. Those workers, I'm guessing, they no longer saw a need for, right? Now, that sucks. I am not trying to diminish people losing their job. That's horrible, and I feel, you know, it's terrible. I would have loved to see them reconfigure those jobs to make them make sense instead of lay them off, but it's not always possible. So, to me, it's like, just because that those people got laid off and he's making the same amount, that's not like a direct correlation. People want to tie those things together and that doesn't make sense to me. And on the other hand, too, is that like he's in charge of the publisher of Call of Duty, the biggest game franchise of all time. He has has shepherded over that company during this time and continually made billions and billions and billions of dollars. So. Maybe they want to keep him. 
And maybe they want to make it irresistible for him to go anywhere else. And so they're willing to pay him a lot of money to do that. Clearly, he's doing something right year after year after year with the amount of money Call of Duty makes. So maybe that's a little bit too much of a capitalist perspective, but I'm just like, if you've got something good going on and you think it's attached to somebody, you want to keep that thing going. So you're going to pay them more and more and more. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Chris, what do you how do you feel about this? Do you think this is much ado about nothing or something that we should be discussing in the industry? Uh, I don't, there's a dog screaming its heart out outside my apartment. But oh. I, I don't know, like I'm not um, I can't. It's hard for me to talk authoritatively about this because I just I'm not like a business oriented person. I don't like read Business Insider. I don't know how this stuff really works on a granular level. So like anything I would anything I would say is like gut, like kind of like layman like a gut reaction kind of a, like a layman's interpretation but like generally speaking i don't think uh there's much of a problem with like a ceo making a ton of money i think it makes sense in some ways if like because you can you see how easily like a position like that can just <laughs> i i think about um i mean i know he wasn't a ceo but i think about people like uh like don matrick like apparently it's very easy to be in a position of high authority over like a like a really you know, huge money making company and just totally drop the ball in a way that is detrimental to the company for years, for like possibly decades. So like it's it stands to reason why uh, a company might want to entice somebody who's good at their job to stay with a lot of little accoutrements and a lot of like, oh, look at all this the stock, all these stock options and dividends and all this, all this money. And I get it. Uh, at the same time, like from my own perspective like if i was if i had like a huge like corporation and i was making like a hilarious amount of money i wouldn't want anybody working beneath me to i'm trying to think of like how i would how i would say this i feel like uh my general philosophy is like it should be some percentage of like the highest earning in the company you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm making like a billion dollars a day. And then my here's my uh, $15 an hour, you know, employee. I feel like, I feel like generally like it's a, a high tide raises all boats situation where like if you're making a ton of money as CEO, great. That means your lowest end workers can make a ton of money as well, you know, but that's, you know, that's up to the company. And there are some companies that work that way and they're they do well. And that's that's up to the people who own the business ultimately. Yeah, you know, which are, which are the, the shareholders and Bobby Kotick makes a ton of money, right? For me, uh, and I, I, I was talking about this on Twitter a little bit. Um, I don't know if it was with Eric Kane or someone else, but just that I, I do feel like it's a little gratuitous, personally. Like I, I am a red-blooded capitalist. I, I own two businesses. I um, want to make lots of money. I do very well for myself. I'm very proud of that. And that's awesome. And I want that for everybody. But an important thing for me at some point is to also make sure that people around me are taken care of too. Yeah. And I know that that's harder to do with, Activision, which employs, you know, 10,000 people or whatever, but it isn't hard. And I, I agree with um, what Dustin said, too. You shouldn't keep like a, a, a moribund fucking garbage part of your company that's not making you any money just to keep it. I mean, that's not the way corporations work. I wouldn't do that. No one does that. So it's not like you should. It, it, you're right. One isn't the other. But I wonder what it looks like. I wonder what it feels like sometimes from Bobby Kodak's point of view when I think about this, because. I think there's a big difference between $10 million or $20 million and $150 million, which is what he made last year. 
right? Yeah. And that's a really absurd amount of money. Uh, I, I, he did not bring $150 million worth of value to Activision. There's no way. And there, that I didn't realize really, it was that high. <laughs> that, it, you have to understand, it comes through, like I think it was last year, like $1.2 million in salary. And then all of these like milestone bonuses and the stock explosion that Activision experienced. So we had a, a windfall, but this was still something that Activision shareholders had to vote on. And they barely, if you read about it, it passed 54%. People are starting to become privy to this. And actually, if you read about EA, the act, EA's shareholders rejected what EA was making, what EA's uh, compensation uh, was going to be. And here's what they rejected. Andrew Wilson, CEO, $21.4 million. Chief Operating and Financial Officer Blake Jorgensen, who we always talk about, $19.5 million. And Laura Meal, who's in head of all their studios, would get $16.1 million, And they rejected that, you know? So, and that yeah. to me seems kind of appropriate because I actually agree with what Dustin is saying where people couldn't understand the crushing weight of being the chief executive officer of a, of a company like Activision. That is an all-consuming lifestyle choice. And I'm not saying it's like easy or hard, but it, it, it requires gut instincts and know-how and lots of different trust trees and people you bring along. It's very complicated. So make your millions of dollars. I'd have no problem with you making your millions of dollars. I wouldn't know the first thing to do if you put me in that position, like how it like all the nomenclature and all the people you have to, you know, it's a complicated world, but $150 million I think is excessive. Yeah. And I can understand why people would think that that is gratuitous. And I think that seeing the EA stuff with them rejecting their compensation plans, which would have just brought Andrew Wilson from, and I'm reading eight, he made eight, they were fine with him making $18.3 million, but will not allow him to make 21.4. So I really feel like mm -hmm. maybe this can be ameliorated in a very simple way, which is to just at some point, maybe you need to decouple yourself from stock performance and just say like, we make $10 million straight up that there's two good things mm -hmm. about that. Number one, it's like a predictable, nice amount of money. But number two, you can't circumvent taxes, which obviously when you make bonuses or dividends, you're not paying FICA and all the rest. So this is also so what's funny about this, if you think it's funny, is that most of that $150 million is being taxed at like 15% or something like that. So yeah, that's another thing. I guess, Colin, though, just to push mm -hmm. back on that a little bit, sure. if, if you make like, ten, let's say it's like everyone makes 10 million. Let's say Bobby Kotick, they're like, we're changing it. He makes 10. EA says, okay, we'll pay you 30 million, right? Yeah, maybe. There's right. a competition, I, and that's part sure. of the reason without them keeping him. I think you're right. I think you guys are right that it is probably gratuitous for sure. Is he worth that much? I don't know, but you got to wonder when it's that high. It's if, it, if it's like a, a locking in thing. It, like, it has to be because nobody's nobody is worth that much money, like just straight up. Like there's not a single, <laughs> there's not a single person who is, who is, it, it's like, um, you know, it's like a billionaire to me where it's like, all right, yeah, fair enough. You made a ton of money. But like, there's no, like you're going to tell me like Elon Musk worked harder than like a coal miner. Like it's just it's not a meritocracy, you know, right. the, the way the main the way money goes. And at a certain yeah. point, it's just like to me, there's like uh, to me, there's an ethical amount where like, you know, and, and that that's dependent on like, you know, any person who could possibly come to the conversation with their own background and their own interpretation of things. But like there is a certain amount of money where it's just like, are you really? Like is Jeff Bezos has he really earned that? Like I don't, I don't think so. I don't think a single person on planet Earth has the capacity to genuinely, authentically earn that amount of money, not without doing some crazy, like fucked shit, which we know, which we know Amazon does. 
Well, I, I think, and that's my whole point is that I, and this is why I always think that class is just the biggest yeah, no, totally political is. point in that race and all this shit is just a huge distraction and a really stupid because I just think that there's a difference between a worker making $50,000 and his CEO making 10 million and the worker making $50,000 and his CEO going to space. <laughs> you know, so I like those are those are the being so rich that you can just send yourself there. Yeah, I don't mind gratuitous wealth, I suppose, but I'm going to critique it. And it's worth noting two things, Dustin, to your point. Bobby Kodak has been the CEO of Activision for like 30 years, so he's he's not going anywhere. But the other thing is, is that he makes too much money because he's, the, as far as I read, the second highest paid C-suite um, executive in the United States on, in any company. Can you imagine that? Because Activision isn't like, we just saw that Microsoft, I think, passed $2 trillion or something in market cap. Activision is like a little baby compared to that. Right. And, and uh, they're not making that kind of money there. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it is a thing that is, com- that is a conversation that's happening. And... I don't know. I want to make a lot of money. I'm very proud yeah. to want to make a lot of money. But I think that if I like, let's say with you guys, we all make a lot. Like, I feel like if I was making $10 million and then I was asking you guys to do the show at your current rates, right? That would be gratuitous. And I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask about a person who might do something like that. Because you tell me like, hey, Colin, you want five million, 10 million, 20 million dollars. I can wrap my mind around that and I know what I would do with it. You say, hey, Colin, you want one hundred and fifty million dollars for one year. I wouldn't even know what to begin to do with that money. Like, OK, go buy a piece of a sports team or. A couple of 747s There's, I, I don't so just worth considering. Yeah. All right, boys, let's talk about the games we're playing. Uh, let's start with Chris says you're playing Ratchet. How you feel yeah. about it? Uh, I, I still I still like it a lot. I, I um I'm slowly moving through it. I'm trying not to like speed through it because I've heard that it's short. So I'm trying to like kind of take my time. I do like a mission yeah. and then Sabers. you know I do some side stuff and then and then I turn it off and then I work. So like I've been going through very slowly. But I'm enjoying I think I'm like forty nine percent the way through or something like that. Forty five, forty nine, something like that. And I I like it. I, I still like it. I don't really have much else to add other than uh, I, I, I li- I'm liking it more as I play it. I, I did notice that because initially I was like, ah, you know, it's 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 cool. And ultimately, I think. I think generally the type of game that Ratchet and Clank is like at its at its core foundation isn't necessarily my type of game, really like the you know, it's it's you're, you're in little arenas and you're shooting enemies and, you know, the enemies aren't all that smart. But like a lot of the fun comes from just like mixing weapons. It's it's fun. It's cool. It's not generally the, t- the type of game that I gravitate to. It's why it took me so long to play it. But this is just a really solid game that even I'm enjoying, even though this isn't, you know, typical for me. So I would say that it's really good. Uh, I've run into less glitches, though, I have I have noticed. I, I I don't fall through the floor <laughs> anymore, or like get clipped on weird things. I don't yeah, know if they, they patched it, or they, uh, they did release a couple of patches. I think already. That's kind of my takeaway with it is that for, I I so I platinumed it. I'm done with it, and I just feel like it's it's a really great game. It's really cute. It has great characters and all that. It is short. I think it's easy as well for a ratchet game. Even I think it's easy. What and one, I'm sorry. Go hold ahead. on. One thing I will say. Yeah. I, so I've been I've been flipping around because uh, I play things in performance ray tracing. If I if if given the option, I, I, I always frame rate over anything. And I was just curious 
uh, and I was like, oh man, let me see what fidelity is like. And I flipped it to fidelity. And man, when it's paused, it looks great. But I really like, <laughs> I cannot fathom how a person plays that game in, in fidelity. Like just that, that sluggish. It's, it's night and fucking day. It's worse too when you flip it. If you play for like an hour in in sixty FPS and then try thirty, it's like, ugh! Like it almost, you know, it, it's it, it, it's, sho- it's it's shocking. It, it's noticeably shocking, more so in this game than I've noticed in in other games. I don't know if that means it's like unstable. I don't know. Like I haven't watched the Digital Foundry thing, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know like how how the frames are paced or how like you know how stable it, it's managing to consistently hit thirty. With all the you know 4K and ray, ray tracing and all the, the souped up particle effects, but it feels like it's just totally unstable, and that that might just be having played everything in 60 frames per second for the last like year and a half or whatever. But if you if you're playing Ratchet and Clank and Fidelity, God help you, you're a weirdo. You know, I just wanted to say that shame to shame people. Definitely, I used to be one of those weirdos until you you broke the mold. <laughs> which i appreciate I, I must i must say i mean i, I think it's a really wonderful game but yeah. i do think the ps4 version is be- the ps4 i'm sorry 2016 remake in quotes is a better game i think it's a i think it's a better game i, I think it's a more fun game and a little less beating you over the head with constant humor and all of that but i i don't think there's much to not like about about rift apart where are you standing yeah. on this now dustin you're done with it right yeah i'm all done and it's funny because the the last kind of major play, I think it was last Saturday, I kind of like dedicated a lot of the day to playing it. I had the game crash on me three times, once corrupting my save. Whoa. Which actually, I just did a video with my friend Jimmy uh, about this on his channel, PS Ready. And it's funny because there's just a flood of comments on that video of people with either similar issues with this game or uh, a bunch of other games. It's just been very odd yeah returnal um, i think people have gotten which is br- that's brutal yeah is 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 ben yeah. still <laughs> so uh actually i, I good that's good that you brought that up because there were people asking for updates uh ben's ps5 is back with sony again and ben like i don't know if he typed it out or put a handwritten note that was like test this with returnal not spider-man like very clearly because all they did was test it with spider-man and spider-man works for him but uh so hopefully there will be why would they test it with spider-man if the error was with returnal did did i tell you how did i mention this that so when ben got it back they left their tester profile on the ps5 like spider-man was already installed and there was like a weird profile on it and then they just shipped it back like (laughs) <laughs> can you believe that like when ben when ben called sony back the guy was like mm, yeah he's like on the phone they're like yeah uh that definitely wasn't supposed to happen like <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the profile left on it's like what the fuck are you guys doing so yeah, it's, it's awesome <laughs> yeah i feel bad for him because i know he, he uh, that's just a frustrating issue and a perplexing issue to experience so hopefully he gets that all taken care of but um we'll get the ratchet and clank spoiler cast and review discussion out in the coming weeks and we'll talk more about that. Well, Dustin, let me kick it over to you, though, here. First of all, Final Fantasy VII Yuffie DLC. So talk to me about that. Yes. I've heard very good things about it. Yeah, it's decent, I would say. It's uh, it's cool because Yuffie has a really neat combat style because she has that ninja star thing that she throws. And then after you throw it, you like can do like magic attacks and stuff. 
And yeah, her combat is really refreshingly different from the rest of the game. And of course, the PS5 version of this game is really stinking good. Very, very good. We were just talking about the Ratchet performance mode. You right. definitely want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake in performance mode at the 60 FPS. It looks like during cutscenes, I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this is so crazy how good this looks. It's like, uh, it's shocking. I was thinking about that uh, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, and that was like a film years ago. And I'm like, this looks way better than that, even. So definitely check this out. If you got the free update, um, the Yuffie DLC is 20. One complaint I do have, though, is that for the first chapter, it has like those parts where you can go do side missions in between the main missions. And so you're in uh, under the sector or whatever where Seventh Heaven is. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they heard the feedback about the side quests being totally not worth doing. And so I went up to someone to do a side quest, and it's this guy in a turtle suit telling me to go around and collect turtle posters. And I was like, well, that answers that question. And I promptly moved on to the main mission. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way I'm going around and collecting turtle posters. No, right now. I'm just not not doing that. So we'll Dang. see. I'm on chapter two. It's not supposed to be very long, but I, I enjoy it. it. I mean, for $20, which I guess, I mean, that's always the question with DLC. Is it like, is this one fourth as good or as long as the entire game? Almost never. I think DLC is overall probably overpriced but um I was, i'm happy to check it out i had this revelation about this game or this this expansion because we were struggling over well you know, how are you gonna play it on ps5 and the trophies and all of that and i was oh. like you know what um this is gonna come to ps4 so what am i worried about it'll come to playstation 4 why would it, they not bring it to playstation 4 did you see that uh there's a listing on the epic game store for uh final fantasy 7 i did and see that they deleted it though so who knows but yeah. That and Alan Wake, which was Alan was some kind of remaster. That'd be crazy. But all right, Dustin, you're also playing Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. I don't even know which one this is. Is this uh, music? Is a music game? Yeah, I picked yeah. this up against my my better judgment because uh, it was only $20. And I thought I'm a fan of this series. I'm, I'm lightly interested. I didn't like the demo, but I decided to go for it and um, don't really like it. It's um, kind of a pretty basic rhythm game. There's lots of content there, but I can't believe they charge $60 for this when it came out. That's just honestly heinous to me. But, uh, you know, the Kingdom Hearts fans, a lot of them bought it anyway, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm sure they did. You wanted it then, but it's just weird. It's a rhythm game and it shows like there's like it's like your three Donald, Sora and Goofy are like attacking things and you do it to the rhythm. But they used the PlayStation 2 graphics. So they just reused a lot of the assets to make this game. That's wild. It's very odd. But I, I wanted to mention it briefly that if you're a fan for $20, it's nice. Like Holly will be playing Dragon Quest and using the TV. So, you know, maybe I'll play a couple levels and then be like, yeah, I don't really like this. And then play a few more levels <laughs> and then eventually mosey up to my computer and do something else. That's been the, yeah. the cycle. Mm. Well, Glad you bought it nonetheless to experience it. So a lot of weeb stuff for you. This yes. Week. And for me, other than Ratchet, I've just been playing Rainbow Moon still and then Returnal. And I'm getting a little frustrated with Returnal because I'm trying to just grind the trophies and it's just really 
I actually have started to just run through the worlds, like just starting to run through them to see if anything, because they're a little, I'm looking for glyphs and they turn them into little blue triangles. And the last one just won't come up. I played it probably like maybe six or eight times in a row where like I couldn't find this one thing I needed from this one world. And I'm like, this is so annoying. So who knows how much longer I'll stick with it, but it, it is a fun game. A couple of questions and inquiries, though, before we move on to the news. First of all, let's back up and talk about Ratchet just for a moment, because Michael Centeno wrote into us and he says, hey, CDC, I'm nearly done playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and I'm still blown away about how amazing it is. My question is, has Insomnia taken Naughty Dog's spot as Sony's new top studio? In my opinion, they have. This is something people really want to keep talking about, and I wanted to address it again on the show. After Ratchet and Clank, we've all experienced it now, Rift Apart. We've experienced Miles Morales. So their two most recent games. Dustin, how do you feel about the proclamation that Insomniac is now Sony's most important crown jewel studio? I think that that will only continue to be true when my prediction is that they are going to have a awesome VR game ready for the launch of the next uh, PlayStation VR. That just to me, that makes sense. And some people are like, well, you know, they but they've already they've already gone. They got Spider-Man out. They got Ratchet. but. They, I mean, they're a multi-team studio and a lot of people, not everyone, but you got to remember they were, they've released a lot of VR games on the side of their other main projects as well. So um, I definitely think that they, yeah, are, it's definitely possible. Are they the top dog though over Naughty Dog? I guess they provide two different things with Naughty Dog having that like cachet game of the year type game. and. Insomniac being able to deliver multiple things quickly and of high quality. But that's the thing that um, I think we touched on this during the the Sacred Symbols Plus is about how Sony's investing into their own studios. You got to wonder if they're looking at Insomniac as a model for their other studios. It's like, hey, let's get multiple. How can we get teams and get them to have multiple projects going? And maybe they can release something every 12 to 18 months. Um, how do we get that flow going? So, yeah, we'll find out. I, I, I'm super interested in this VR idea. You're right. They have multiple teams. They have mul- they're in multiple states. So yeah. they have quite a few teams, actually, that are working on different games. They were making, you know, remember, remember, they were working with at the same time, Microsoft, Sony, GameStop. Remember when they were working with Game Trust and Oculus all simultaneously before they were purchased. So Anything can happen. I, I am interested to see what they um, what they come up with next. But I am I am sympathetic to the idea that they have kind of gone mostly. And yeah. I think that that is true. So Naughty Dog now gets to go next and presumably we'll see factions in maybe the next couple of years. I don't know. Chris, what's your uh, what's your feeling about the idea of maybe Insomnia taking that spot now that we've played Ratchet? Yeah, I mean, that's weird. I, I feel like getting two really high quality uh, you know, platform exclusives out in a really short amount of time at the beginning of a console launch is super important. And I think uh, Sony is no doubt like looking at them like these guys are really fucking like, thank God for these guys. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that has a lot to do with what what this next Naughty Dog project turns out to be that isn't factions, because, you know, The Last of Us is like, you know, that's its, its own divisive thing. And I think generally speaking, I I do feel like Insomniac is seen more favorably 
just because of the the variety of experiences they're uh, they're able to deliver. I think uh, Dustin's right with this VR thing. I think that is going to be like a huge deal. But I I know to me I'm personally far more interested in Insomniac than Naughty Dog personally, just because you know the last Naughty Dog that I game that I liked was Uncharted Four, you know, and even that one was just like yeah, yeah, not bad. The Last of Us Two I like we we look we we've been over this a lot. Like I didn't care for it that much. So like to me personally, like Naughty Dog doesn't have a lot of cachet for me. So it's easy for me to see this this interpretation of like, oh yeah, Insomniac is obviously the top dog, especially having gone two times so soon and with such good results. And then with this, you know, potential VR thing working, who knows how close Spider-Man 2 is. It's not even <laughs> like it wouldn't even surprise me if we see Spider-Man before factions, feels like, because we've heard so little about factions that it's just like, how far away is this thing? They're a they're a they're a powerhouse at Insomniac, and and I think that's super valuable. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think there's no question that this is the one-two combo. I think they make very different games and serve very different functions. Mm-hmm. And I think Naughty Dog is certainly, in my mind, the superior team. But I, it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges because you're never going to see a open-world superhero game out of Naughty Dog, nor are you going to see like this really depressing, emotional storytelling from insomniac so i think that the beauty is that they're both great and it kind of just yeah it kind of works out they fill their own they fill their own roles you know that's exactly right and i think that that's a huge positive to have both of those but i i would have never guessed that insomniac would have quickly grown into this role for sony as a first party team and it really makes you think about the serendipity of sony having finally nailed them and gotten them after so many years of trying to buy them behind the scenes and how different things would look if Insomniac was for hire because I think Sony realized with Spider-Man that they were going to be courted again and they needed to lock them down. So all we know for sure is that we're lucky to have both. Angie's list is now Angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot There are a couple of questions about another game that's coming up that I think is more directed towards 
uh, Dustin and I, although Chris, if you have anything to say, you can. Straw Hat Ninja wrote in and said, greetings, gentlemen. Colin, as a big fan of the Tales of series, how are you feeling about Scarlet Nexus? From what I've seen so far, I'm actually more excited for it than Tales of Arise. How are you guys feeling about Scarlet Nexus and the plant-headed monsters? So this game comes out by the time this show is live on Patreon, the game will have been out. And I'm really looking forward to playing it. A lot of the Tales team worked on this game, which is exciting. Old Tales heads. And I was reading a trophy guide on Power Picks today, and it requires two playthroughs, but there are no missable trophies because you have to play as like both protagonists, which is fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Dustin, is this one on your radar? This really surprised me today, Colin, because I played the demo for this game and did not like it very much. And so to see the reviews come out really strong, like I'm looking at Open Critic right now, uh, 80, which is really good. It actually scored better than Mario Golf. That's kind of the, that's the two games facing off this Friday, which uh, just really surprised me. So because of that, I think I may I don't know if I'm going to dive in at, at a full price right now, but I'm definitely more intrigued now that it seems that there is a consensus that this game is good. Maybe just the demo didn't hit me at the right time. Hmm. Hmm. I'm amped up about it. I, I think it's just I need something to play and I haven't read yeah. any of the reviews. I saw that was well regarded, but I didn't I, I, Micah played the demo on Xbox. And so I watched her a little bit. So I saw enough of what I needed to see to to get a feel for it. I'm looking forward to checking it out. So we'll have more on that next week, I assume. Andrew Walsh, though, wrote into us, too, and said, hello, you beautiful lad. So I got to ask you, Colin, why did you pre-order Scarlet Nexus? Haven't you preached for years to not pre-order stuff? I got to know. I think you guys are a little bit misrepresenting me here <laughs> when a game enters the pre-download era like a week before it comes out i think that's free game at that point i want the game preloaded on my machine but the reason i tell you not to pre-order games and i think you know this andrew you're just being pedantic of course is because you don't want to give them financial benefit before they've shown you anything at all you don't want to give them money three years before a game comes out two years before a game comes out everything relies on that that's why they lie to you by the way about release dates if in case you're curious it's because they want your money now they'll give you the game later so if you don't realize that you're just playing into it by pre-ordering games very early like i'm sure tens of thousands of people pre-ordered ragnarok when it was announced for 2021 you know sight unseen so I went on PSN this past weekend and I download, I bought and I downloaded Scarlet Nexus. So it was on my machine. So don't misrepresent yeah. me. Because I'll give you a smack if you do it again. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the news. I'm very excited to see what Chris has to think about this one, although we can all discuss in detail. Number one. The rumor mill is raging and it comes bearing good news. It appears publisher Electronic Arts is primed to revive its Dead Space franchise and may announce the news as soon as this July when it has its aforementioned EA Play event. Word comes by way of website Eurogamer, which confirms recent rumblings, though they are admittedly vague. A reporter at fellow website VentureBeat made a fairly overt Dead Space reference in his own rumor, and Eurogamer seems to tacitly support that view. On one hand, this news isn't particularly surprising, considering EA's all-new interest in single-player games. EA-owned team BioWare just released Mass Effect Legendary Edition and is working on both a new Mass Effect and Dragon Age game, while sister studio Respawn created 2019's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and is working on the upcoming sequel. Thus, Dead Space is an obvious choice for a revival. What's sad, however, is that its home studio, Visceral, no longer exists. Founded in the late 90s as EA Redwood Shores, the team long worked in a support capacity and on both sports and licensed titles before hitting pay dirt with 2008's Dead Space. 
It was followed by two sequels in 2011 and 2013 and was abandoned in lieu of a Star Wars project headed by Uncharted creator Amy Hennig, codenamed Ragtag, which was canceled upon the closure of the studio. Developing in their stead will apparently be the newer EA team Motive, the team created by Jade Raymond that crafted both the Battlefront 2 single-player campaign in 2017 and, more recently, the space dogfighting Star Wars Squadrons. James Kinsel of the Third wrote into us on Patreon and says, Hey boys, how are you? Is it time to return to the USG Ishimura? The EA, plot, EA Play Live event on July 22nd is set to show off a reimagining of an established IP and with the positive buzz that Castillo Project, uh, the Castillo, oh, I'm sorry, the Callisto Project received when it was unveiled and how with Capcom is finding success with Resident Evil, could it finally be time for EA to return to their own survival horror franchise dead space? EA, make us whole. Chris, what do you think? I, if this is true, this is exciting. Uh, I, I do hope, though, that this isn't like, um, so this is like a, a new proper thing. It's not like, a, oh, Dead Space remastered or, or whatever. Do we do we know? No, we don't. Do we have any a, idea? We know that it is a reimagining, quote unquote, of an existing IP. So my assumption and we have people suggesting that it's Dead Space. And my assumption is that we'll get both a collection and a new game. What do you think? Huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, do you think that would like. I feel like that would be a little cannibalistic, right? If you if you got like a new game or is it or is just like the collection to like prime people for it? Yeah, I would assume that you would get people ready and then you would say like we have a dead space. My theory is that they'll say like, yeah, we're reimagining or remaking or retelling the story of the Ishimura and dead space. And that'll be out in fall 2022 and holiday 2021 or Q1 2022. We're going to re-release the three dead space games remastered, which would be I, I think that's inevitable. Yeah, so yeah. that's my gut feeling. Yeah, I think, uh, look, if, if this if there's really working on a proper AAA reimagining of Dead Space with modern hardware, that's exciting. Like, that's really cool. Like, it's it's nice to see. First of all, we just don't have that many horror games of that with that much money behind them. It's just like it's a very it's a very specific genre. It's a very niche genre. It's like uh, really Resident Evil is the only thing that I could think of in the last like several years. that's even remotely like scratched the surface of being like proper AAA horror. So like. <laughs> It's good to think that Dead Space, which I think is just like a really, really huge crown jewel of like horror in the industry, uh, especially that first one. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. The The thought of that returning is really exciting. And I, I, I hope this is true. And I hope it's not like some like <laughs> Dead Space live service battle royale or whatever the fuck. I hope, uh, you know, I hope we get like a proper, a proper triple A Dead Space. That's exciting. It's exciting news. It seems like they understand what to do. I don't think that they're going to do that. No, um, I, I don't. I don't either. But like, you know, got to put it out there. Yeah, I, I, it's <laughs> always possible with EA, but it does seem like they've learned a lesson, which and they're investing heavily in, in disparate things. We know that Battlefield yeah. 2042, for instance, is no single player campaign at all. But then again, you can play it by yourself, which I was reading, which is interesting. You can literally just populate the map with all bots if you want to. So they seem to be just kind of speaking more to the single player campaign. Remember with the new Bioware GM we discussed last week as well, heading those teams that they reiterate their complete dedication to single player respawns, obviously in both worlds with apex legends and Titanfall and then star Wars. But I'm feeling pretty good about this, Dustin. What do you think about the possible return of dead space? Which I must say, I mean, I loved it back in the day, but I did play it again all the way through a year and a half ago for, for knockback. And it's great. It's still great. It's still a great game. Right. I think that uh, James, hit the nail on the head they're they're seeing the success the the renaissance of uh resident evil and horror games like this and they're like well we have a horror franchise but i'm just i'm ready for that ea play event and they're like we have one last thing and then they have some developer 
It's like, that's right. We're bringing back dead space. And then it shows like someone with a Wacom tablet, like drawing, uh, you know, the ship or something. And they're like, you know, it's it's a nerve wracking thing to go to to be building this beloved fan favorite franchise. And then like it'll show like one shot of space. Yeah. And then it says dead space. And that's it. And that's all you're getting. (laughs) But I guess (laughs) that is nothing. That is a definitely that is a definite EA move. I hope I'm wrong. You're probably we'll see. right. We'll see. No, yeah, I think you're probably right as well. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close, but I think Mass Effect, the legendary edition has created such a positive buzz for that franchise and has kind of washed the taste of Andromeda for many people out of their mouths as they get excited for another Mass Effect game. Why not do the same thing with Dead Space, which kind of also died ignominiously on the vine with a third game that wasn't incredibly well regarded. But I'm of the mind that Dead Space could you can make the argument that the original Dead Space is the best survival horror game ever, including better than Resident Evil 4 and others, which I highly regard as well. I think Dead Space is absolutely stellar. Pardon the pun. All right. Number two. Here's an exciting one for me. If a recent game rating filed with the Australian Games Rating Board is any indication, and it always is, Konami is prepping something called the Castlevania Advanced Collection. Word comes by way of multiple sources, which discovered the filing, though few details are known otherwise. What we do know is that M2, a Japanese team known for its careful ports and collections, is the developer in charge. That makes sense since the entity handled Konami's 2019 release Castlevania Anniversary Collection, as well as Capcom's Mega Man X Legacy Collection, which came out the year before. Most importantly, however, we don't know what games will be included here, though we can probably figure it out. The title indicates that this compilation will focus on the Game Boy Advance Castlevania games, which spanned from 2001 through 2003. 2001's Circle of the Moon, which was a GBA launch game, will likely accompany 2002's Harmony of Dissonance and 2003's Aria of Sorrow. These are Metroidvania-style games in the styling of 1997's Symphony of the Night, widely considered one of the greatest games of all time. And this type of game was later continued on Nintendo DS with the likes of 2004's Dawn of Sorrow, 2006's Portrait of Ruin, and 2008's Order of Ecclesia, which will almost certainly see their own compilation later on. Castlevania as a gaming franchise is largely dormant. The last title came out in 2014 with the little-liked Lords of Shadow 2 on PS3, but its four-season Netflix run has revived interest in Konami's once-popular vampire-themed side-scroller. Adam Carruth wrote in on Patreon and says, Hey guys, specifically Colin, how pumped are you for this new Castlevania collection? I had a piece several times when I read the news. This is awesome news. This is really awesome news. I was so pleased to see this. It's not it's not that big of a surprise because Konami has been releasing collections galore. Actually, they released a Contra collection and a Castlevania collection. So it's obvious that they would eventually move on to some of these other games. They see what Capcom is doing with Phoenix Wright and Mega Man and whatever the case might be. So this is something they were going to do eventually. I'm really excited to see what these games look on console. These are Game Boy Advance games. Very low resolution. Circle of the Moon is a notoriously dark game, as in it was hard to see even on the GBA, which wasn't backlit, as you might remember, until the SB came out. (laughs) So I I feel like this is like a dream come true. And my only hope is that they really are going to just do the three games. And then let's do another collection for the other three, which will, I think, be a little more complicated to bring over because then you have to bring the dual screen in and figure out what you're going to do with that. So I'm amped up about this. Dustin, do do you care at all? Um, I am, I find it interesting. I don't know if saying it, I don't, it sounds like I don't care. It's not like that. Uh, I think what's more interesting is just that we see continued interest, uh, from Konami to show some love to their, their old franchises. And that's, that's, what's important. Like, you know, they were originally supposed to come to E3 and then they, they dropped out. So 
clearly something is stirring amongst uh, Konami and their gaming division. So that overall is what makes me does care. Do I do care um, and find the most interesting. I will be curious to maybe check these out. I don't I don't know anything about these Castlevania Game Boy Advance games, but I've heard they're great. Oh, that's crazy, man. You're in, you're in for such a treat. These are fucking these are phenomenal, truly phenomenal games all the way through all of them. <laughs> they're just really well made, Egovania, Ega produced games. Uh, Chris, do you do you have any temptation to jump in? Does Dracula and his castle that comes every century tempt you in, into its doors? Kinda, although mainly because I I, uh, I have a soft spot a uh, soft spot for the aesthetic of Game Boy Advance. I don't know what it is like the, the the pixel art and like the there's so many so many of my favorite games that I play on the GBA like all kind of have this very specific style. And I I remember seeing a long time ago uh, one of these Castlevania Game Boy Advance games, and I remember like really liking the way it looked. But I never jumped into it because it's just like, what the hell? I, I was never an emulator guy. I don't have like a Game Boy Advance on hand. So it's like, ah, whatever. But yeah, if, if it's easy to access, if they're bringing it to console, that's exciting. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. This is inevitable. Uh, a game rating doesn't happen like that if the game's not coming. So we'll yeah. eagerly await an official announcement from Konami. Number three, and what is perhaps the least surprising news in a while, Sony expects PlayStation 5 to do huge numbers once supply constraints are lifted. As discussed in a Japanese shareholder meeting as relayed by website Push Square, Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida noted that the company's internal aim is to sell 22.6 million PS5 consoles per year and that they should be able to do so once they can meet demand, which they're simply unable to do considering the microchip crunch and container shipping fiascos currently hurting the global economy. Indeed, Sony intends to beat its one-year record in consoles sold, beating a record currently held by the original PS1 from way back in 1998. Current sales figures peg PS5 at 7.8 million sold through the end of March, making it the fastest selling gaming console in the history of the industry. By intending to sell 22.6 million units in a year, Sony plans to basically outsell both the original Xbox and Nintendo's GameCube in one fell swoop. Both of those were around 22, 24 million sold. Nothing really crazy to say here, doesn't I wonder if you feel like this um, this will this will actually happen because I, I, I think people are kind of eager to know. And I don't think anyone really does when this supply constraint will lift because we're now getting into the territory as we move into the later in the year where like Nintendo Wii was very hard to find still at this point in its cycle. But you right. you had a prayer at this point of seeing it. And there is no prayer of finding a PS5 unless you're in these various online, you know, um, these cues basically that pop up. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because Sony, they do, they invite people that are registered PlayStation accounts to buy them, uh, which I was invited before it came out. And then they invited me again to buy another PlayStation five. Could you believe that? And so I went ahead and, and, and I did buy another one, which I'm going to uh, <laughs> provide to uh, someone I know. Uh, and they're going to pay me, you know, the 530 with sure. tax. I'm not, I'm not scalping. So don't come after me, but I don't know. The really thing I'm glad you mentioned this here about this uh, shipping container, because I had no idea that this was a part of this whole fiasco. Yeah, I think there's a really good YouTube channel called Wendover Productions, and I, I believe it was then they did a video about this whole shipping container thing. And it has to do with like shipping containers going one place and then there's not enough stuff from the U.S. to like send those containers back. And so there's like a a whole thing going on where there's not enough containers in the right 
space. And this is in addition to the microchip thing, which it could be possible that some, you know, it's not unprecedented that companies fly uh, stuff. Like I know Apple definitely at certain points, like for iPhone launches, will start shipping iPhones via plane instead of containers in order to get them places faster. So there may be a ways around that, but it's just like, man, problems on top of problems. But again, they're, they are still getting units out regardless. They're, they're trickling out uh, here and there. So they're, they're doing something right. Yeah. Chris, what are you feeling like this is going to abate soon or you feel like we'll start, start, uh, or cause I, I just, I remember seeing, so I got my Wii from a friend who worked in Nintendo. They have right. their own employee store. So he got it for me and, and sent it to me. But then when I first saw a Wii on the shelf in Target in San Francisco, I just bought it sight unseen because I was so excited that I saw it and I knew someone would need it. Very similar to what Dustin was saying. But there's not even it seems like we're even a step away from that right now. And I, I do. I am starting to feel a little bit bad for folks. Yeah, it, it is uh, unfortunate. Uh, and this is probably going to last a while, to be honest. Like, I, I really because um, even as you know, the pandemic lightens up for us, you know, it's not necessarily the case everywhere else. And like, you know there's still ongoing lingering effects like even just the way that the shortage has affected us over over the last year even when things are back to normal it's going it's still going to take some time to get to catch up so like i think uh i think we're a a ways away from seeing a ps5 like in the wild naturally all right next up on our list here is number four this one's gonna make a lot of people mad i think although i don't really know why We know that Sony intends on bringing more first party PlayStation games to PC, and now we may have an indication as to what the next title will be uh, will be that will migrate over Ghost of Tsushima website. Video Game Chronicle revealed that Ghost of Tsushima's box art has subtly changed on the game's product pages on sites ranging from PlayStation's own own digital storefront to Amazon. It used to say only on PlayStation in the upper right corner, as many PS exclusives do. However, that's no longer seen on the reprinted art. Website Push Square report, uh, points out that this is extremely relevant as Sony previously pulled only on PlayStation from the box art for both Horizon Zero Dawn and Days Gone, first party games that ended up coming to PC. It's worth noting that this could likewise indicate it's coming to PS5 instead, as Miles Morales and Sackboy A Big Adventure haven't been released on PC, are available on both PS4 and PS5, and don't have that tagline on their boxes either. Sucker Punch's Ghost of Tsushima launched in the last uh, late summer of 2020 and was widely considered one of the best games of the year. Sucker Punch was previously known for its Sly Cooper and Infamous series. Should Ghost of Tsushima migrate to PC, as seems likely, it'll be the third first-party game to uh, migrate following Gorilla's Horizon last year and Days Gone earlier this year, as well as second-party titles like Death Stranding, launched on PC last year, and Quantic Dreams and that game company's respective trilogies, too. This is a little bit unexpected, Chris, because we did not think that... we. I, I mean, I kept saying I, th- I thought God of War was the next obvious one. It seems like this is uh, all but inevitable now. I, I guess a timing is all that yeah. matters. And I, I wonder how people are going to feel about this if it's true, because this is pretty close to launch. In fact, as of the time we're talking about this, Ghost of Tsushima hasn't even been out for a year. So what do you think? Do you think this there's something to this? I, it seems like where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, no, I think so. I, th- I, I honestly think uh, God of War was the obvious thing, but even that had like a caveat to it where, you know, God of War... And I, I know I've said this before and, it, you know, you know, people think it doesn't matter, but I do think the history of these franchises are important to consider when porting to PC. I think that's why we saw Days Gone and Horizon, because they were new. People didn't have, you know, a decade of previous games to like 
not experienced to jump into this new thing and then be wonder like, wait, what, what is, who are these people? What am I doing? What is this world? Uh, who are these characters? Am I supposed to know this? I think that's why those games were chosen specifically like Death Stranding, Days Gone and uh, Horizon. And God of War was always a weird one because it's a soft reboot, but it's still a continuation of what happened before. So I was always wondering like, oh, will they do that? And, and, and even like we were talking about uh, not too long ago about Uncharted 4 coming and how confuse, how confusing that was given how, how many other Uncharted games are just unavailable to that audience. I think Ghost of Tsushima makes sense because, again, this is a new IP. This is not something that people have to feel like, oh, I got to play this and that, or I got to dig up a PS3 to get this old game running just to know what the hell is going on. I think this is definitely going to happen, uh, like, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I actually wonder about, like, God of War and Uncharted and, and things like that that are more storied and kind of have more of a, a legacy. Hmm on console like I'm, I'm i think those are more in question as opposed to these these new ips that have been brought to the ps4 i think that's you know i think that's i think that's part of the equation it's an interesting perspective what do you think uh dustin about this uh do you think it, it's telling us something it could it's it's weird we you know we maybe too much say where there's smoke there's fire but th- this news also kind of dovetails in with uh there's like rumors of a standalone expansion for ghost going around today that I don't know if they're worth giving any credence to. Cause I don't, I can't verify the, the people that have leaked them like this guy at dealer gaming. He's got like 22 K says Ghost Tsushima expanding to new horizons. And then someone else chimed in and said that it's a, an expansion called ghost of Ikishima. Yeah. Which, which is a small Island off of the coast of that other Island. Right. And so it's interesting at the same time, I think that was it PlayStation Direct was selling Ghost of Tsushima for 10 bucks the other day. Like so and they changed the box and then there's these rumors. So, well, that's why I think they were selling them for 10 bucks is I think they might have been getting rid of the old ones. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah. But. This like without this info of the box, if someone said, hey, Ghost of Tsushima is the next one, I'd be like, no. Because that one just came out yeah, and it's it's a reason like it's it's so good on PS5 that it's maybe I mean, and it's I mean, amazing on PS4 as well. But this is one that could still be, you know, uh, a bullet list game for someone to buy a PlayStation console. So for them to bring it to PC very quickly would be. Different than how they've operated previously with yes. these PC mm-hmm. games. Yeah, yes. but I, I would agree. Who knows? Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I, 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 I'm compelled by what Chris is saying about maybe they're because because he's right. Horizon, Days Gone, these are low risk ports, really. Ghost of Tsushima, kind of a low risk port as well. Also might help make the online multiplayer more vibrant. We've heard a little bit. I didn't include it in the write ups because it's not that big. But Axios had a um a quote from Jim Ryan saying that they they are going to go way further in the cross play and. They have much more to announce there. So you can imagine Ghost of Tsushima's multiplayer being crossplay at some point, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. And maybe doing that with um, upcoming factions and, and all of the rest. But and obviously what seems to be the second party multiplayer games that they've announced from these these teams that have just created been created. But it is interesting to think that there are examples of the boxes existing without that tagline in which they come to PS4 and PS5. And so it could be that they're telling us a native PS5 version of the game is coming too. So it could be like one thing or the other. 
and we don't really know. I know yeah. that I know that we've made. The I, ch- I, I I know that. Well, I was going to say, Chris, this might be what you were going to say. You can tell me. We've kind yeah. of made the point, or I think you've made it more compellingly that they're not going to do that. Yeah, you know, like that. There's no need to bring these late PS4 games over. They can just patch them. Yeah, well, especially just because it just runs so beautifully on PS5 as, as is. Like, I don't, I don't see what improvements they could really make. Although, if there is this weird kind of, uh, if this rumor is accurate and there is this, like, Ghost of uh, Ikishima kind of, like, you know, story DLC, perhaps, if if that is true and they put out, like, an Ultimate Edition or, or like, a more complete Ghost of Tsushima Edition on PS5, that I could believe. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense to me as something that could potentially happen if that's real. But just porting base base uh ghost of tsushima to ps5 i don't think would would make a ton of sense like if it's going to be ported it would have to be because something else is coming that either couldn't run on ps4 or can but fuck it let's get (laughs) let's get something on ps5 exclusively that is potentially possible one thing i will say is when i say ghost of tsushima is coming to, to pc i don't think necessarily that that it's coming soon or immediately. I just know that this is eventually going to be on PC. Unlike things like Uncharted and Last of Us, and even, you know, honestly, I'm thinking God of War might not either, but I think those are the safest bets for PlayStation to be like, hey, let's let's uh, dip our toes into the PC ecosystem. These are, uh, you know, IP that are new, that are not that don't require a lot of investment into our old hardware and like a bunch of old games that people don't have access to anymore. Let's just get people hooked on the PlayStation into the PlayStation ecosystem with this, these perfect jumping in points. And maybe that'll lead to something down the road. Maybe they pick up a console to get first dibs on like the sequel. And, uh, you know, I think that's generally the strategy. So I don't think this is like soon or anything, but mark my words, Ghost of Tsushima will come to PC. Like absolutely without a doubt. Yeah, I think the timing is going to be relevant to allaying people's fears or not. You yeah. know, the fan base that don't want this for some reason. I I still feel like maybe we're getting closer and closer because I don't believe anything Jim Ryan really says, to be honest. He's already kind of bent the truth about a few other things, whether or not things are mobile and change or not is is another thing entirely. But I think we're getting closer to the inflection point where some of these games are just going to start coming to PC immediately. And then I, I wonder what will, you know, we're probably, I don't know, two or three years from that i don't think it's going to stay like this forever i think that they just keep moving the goalposts and the goalposts seem getting closer and closer to them just playing nice with everyone because that's the and we saw yeah. that by the way with the epic they weren't foiled, but obviously but the, the in the in the lawsuit with epic and apple we saw these emails where epic was basically telling sony like just come just get over it already like it's over you know like it with the cross play stuff and everything so we'll see maybe sony is just a little bit of a relic in that way but we'll find out soon enough one way or the other what the next game will be and yeah uh, we'll also find out about that ghost of tsushima rumor which i think is probably true and wouldn't really be that big of a surprise for a studio like sucker punch they obviously supported their last infamous game second son with a really awesome expansion called first light so they've been there before and i think that they were the first team to really ever make expansion dlc for a first party game i have to think about that carefully but with the original, or I'm sorry, with Infamous 2, they did Festival of Blood, which was a Halloween-themed thing. They usually didn't do that to their games, so they've been here before. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! 
It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Dustin, this next one's for you, number five. From, from Software's Elden Ring is one of the industry's most anticipated games, and there's some fresh news to discuss concerning the Bandai Namco published Dark Souls clone. For starters, Elden Ring's director Hidetaka Miyazaki noted in an interview with Japanese gaming magazine Famitsu, as relayed by website Kotaku, that Elden Ring will be an easier and more accessible game compared to its previous, his previous directorial works like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and Bloodborne. While there won't be a difficulty option, the game's open world nature will, will apparently make it simpler and so, uh, a simpler affair in some sort. He apparently explicitly compared it to Dark Souls 3 when it comes to difficulty level. Multiplayer will likewise make the game easier, he noted. On the writing side, website Eurogamer reports that George R.R. R. Martin, famous author of the book series upon which the HBO series Game of Thrones is based and who is responsible for Elden Ring's lore, has long been done with his work. He told an Illinois area news station WWTW that Elden Ring, quote, is a sequel to a video game that came out a few years ago called Dark Souls. My work on it was actually done years ago. These games, they're like movies. They take a long time to develop. Basically, they wanted a world to create, uh, world created to set the game in. They wanted world building, end quote. So he, quote, worked up a fairly detailed background, end quote, and then from software, quote unquote, took it from there. This is good news as Martin is a, a notoriously slow writer. Indeed, he's years behind on finishing his Song of Ice and Fire series for which he's famous. <laughs> the fifth book came out in 2011, and he hasn't released the sixth or seventh books yet. The sixth having originally been planned for 2016. Elden Ring launches in January of 2022 on PS4 and PS5. So there's actually quite a bit there, Dustin. First of all, just generally, how are you feeling about this news, about the difficulty? Martin's done. The Bible's been delivered, all of that. So he's out. Right. Talk to me. Yeah, I think it's it's good. As far as the difficulty, I mean, I think it's it makes sense that he compared it to Dark Souls 3, because I think that Dark Souls 3 is probably the best difficulty uh, level that they've hit Sekiro has is difficult I think Sekiro is their most difficult game and because it can only be played the way that they want you to play it and there's no co-op and there's no leveling so you it's it's purely skill-based that's actually I mean that's what I hated about it at first and then what I eventually grew to love about it so it's a very it's a weird thing about that game but so that makes sense to me uh, about it being Dark Souls 3 level. Again, the open world stuff sounds super cool. And uh, I'm just so curious. Uh, like, I'm imagining George R.R. R. Martin sitting in a room in Japan with Miyazaki <laughs> and a translator. And like, George R.R. R. Martin, I, he's such an interesting dude because I think he's great. Like, people have talked about, like, are you worried that you're going to die? And he's like, well, well, fuck you. Like, he has, like, this very nerdy, like, old guy voice. So I'm just imagining, like, this meeting, this really awkward meeting between these two, like, creative geniuses. But, I'm man, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Miyazaki, in I think it was an interview, maybe with IGN or someone else, is that he's laying it on the line. He's saying, like, this is the, this game is the culmination of everything we've done so far, citing Dark Souls and, and Sekiro, their Game of the Year award winner. And so it's clear to me that he feels very confident about this game. And that that says a lot, because I really think that this dude has 
really done no wrong since he's taken up the position of director. What do you I mean, am I reading too much? I, am I miss? Let me back up. Am I misunderstanding? Is this game a Dark Souls game? No, I don't think because so. Because because Martin says it is a sequel to a video game called Dark Souls. And and the publisher of Elden Ring is the same as the publisher to Dark Souls. I so I, I don't know as much about this as Dustin does. But I would imagine that that's just because he's old and he probably heard, oh, they made Dark Souls. I'm making a, uh, an, a thing with them. Oh, it's like a follow up to Dark Souls, I guess. But like, I, I, but at the same time, he is like the lore guy. So he, yeah, you think he I would know. Like, yes. Yeah, so he would know like something if that was like, I don't know if he would misspeak to that degree, but I don't know. What do you think, Dustin? Yeah, uh, I think that there is. It's a little conflicting. You brought up the fact that he is the lore, the lore master. So for him to use that word is a little interesting. But again, he might not look at video games like we do. He may like this is the sequel to Dark Souls, which in a way, if you're looking at it from a gameplay, this is also a sequel to Sekiro. Their games are all pretty similar in their mechanics in a lot of ways. Right, though- but how literal can those connections be? I guess what I'm saying is, is like you can't they can't overtly set the game in Sekiro's world. I mean, it's an Activision game, right? So, right. I just I, the, the definition of a, a sequel, I think, is what we're we're getting into where, you know, sp- sequel, spiritual successor, whatever. He may not view that the same way. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I You're probably right. Me, I'm just curious. Wait, 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 has anyone in your community in the community of Dark Souls? Or Souls fans, is there any sort of theory on if it takes place in that in that universe at all? Or are people kind of just accepting that it's or assuming that it's separate because of the the role of Martin? Because I, I just was surprised that more people weren't talking about that quote when I was reading around. I'm like, he just said it's a sequel to Dark Souls. Right. But you might be right. He might just be t- talking out of his ass. But you would assume this is where things get weird because he must. I would assume I think what Chris is saying could be true where he's an old doddering man. But it could also be that he played Dark Souls. You know, and that he was attracted to it somehow. Somehow he found these guys and wanted to write for them or something. It could be something like that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, so he he could have approached them and been like, I want to work in this world or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm probably reading into it too much. He did say in the interview, from what I remember, that like he doesn't. St- I remember getting the vibe that he doesn't play games, that he doesn't like uh, that. He doesn't uh, or he finds it too difficult to play. I, I think I remember him saying something like that. And he said, like, oh, because somebody asked him, are you going to play it when it comes out? And, it was, and he was like, no, but I'm excited to see it, you know, which is not something that you would assume of somebody who's played Dark Souls and wanted to work with, sure. you know. He should be probably know. working on finishing his, his books at this point. Yeah, well, it's absolutely absurd. Like, I'm sorry, but it's absurd. I, I, when I was reading, when I was writing rather that story, I'm like, how long has he been talking about that sixth Ice and Fire book? And the book came, the, the fifth book came out in 2011 and the I think the first one came out in 1994 so fifth one 2011 and then nothing it's been 10 years just 10 years no book yeah and he was apparently aiming or had a publisher deadline of 2016 I think it's fairly clear he's never gonna finish this shit but we'll see yeah I mean he's so rich he's so rich and I I would just be like uh <laughs> well, and the, the dude likes right, being in the get limelight. A ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What you <laughs> just say? get a Ghost Rider finish it? Yeah, yeah. I was saying that he. That it's clear that he enjoys being in the limelight. 
and he enjoys oh, working on movies. He keeps agreeing to do more and more movie or TV stuff. It's like, I, I don't, he might not just be passionate about it anymore. And he just doesn't want to tell people he's not doing it because then that would be a big blow to his, uh, his, you know, persona or whatever the, his look, whatever. I forget the guy's names. It's two guys, but they write under a pen name. It's like S.A. Corey or whatever. The guys that wrote The Expanse. They mm. were apparent. They apparently used to work for him. That's where they come from is they came. They come from his camp and then they started writing the sci fi stuff on the side and they use a pen name to combine the work or whatever. And that's where Amazon's Expanse comes from. And so it's like you should just give your shit to them and let them finish it. They write big ass meaty books. I have them on my shelf somewhere. Not this one. All right. Number six. Do you remember Tekken Cross Street Fighter? It was a fighting game project headed by Tekken's home publisher, Bandai Namco, that was to incorporate, as the name suggests, characters from both Tekken and rival Capcom Street Fighter franchise. It was initially announced 11 years ago in 2010 and was going to be a 3D fighting game as a complement to the Capcom developed Street Fighter Cross Tekken, a 2D fighter launched on both PS3 and Vita in 2012. However, years passed with scarcely a word about its sister title apart from it moving from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4 somewhere along the way. By 2016, director Katsuhiro Harada, known for his work on Tekken going all the way back to the franchise's beginnings in 1994, said that the game was on hold, but now we have final confirmation that on hold means canceled. In a podcast appearance, as relayed by multiple sources, Harada noted that the game was canceled at about 30% completion and isn't going to see the light of day. Such is the death of a project associated with a resurging Tekken franchise with 2015's Tekken 7, which came to PS4 in 2017, surpassing 7 million units sold earlier this year. Street Fighter, of course, remains ever popular with Street Fighter V, a PS4 console exclusive launching in 2016. There's not much to say about this. I just remember, and I don't know if you guys do, I remember when these games were announced because it was supposed to be like, we're doing Tekken cross Street Fighter and Street Fighter cross Tekken. And Street Fighter cross Tekken is in the Street Fighter yeah. world and Tekken cross Street Fighter is in the Tekken world. And Capcom delivered their game and Bandai Namco never delivered theirs. So it's just like kind of these... these and it... Do you guys remember Project Cross Zone by chance? Does that ring a bell for you? What the hell is, no. what is that? That was like a Bandai Namco Capcom collaboration. That was like a tactical role playing game that brought in characters from different Namco Bandai or at the time Namco really projects and Capcom projects. And they were these so like, like a Smash Bros tactics type kind type of. Deal? Yeah. And it was like there was a couple of them. And so I think they were. And it's so funny because now Bandai Namco is basically the team that makes Smash Brothers. So. Uh, they've come a long way, but it's so funny that they dropped this ball on this Tekken game, apparently 30% done. And they were saying that a lot of the animations and stuff made it their way into other games, but they're not allowed to show the footage without Capcom's blessing. And they apparently have like Chun-Li and, and Ryu and Ken and a bunch of people up and running. But it would have been really cool to see them in a 3D space playing. Not that that would have been totally unprecedented, but seeing them in the Tekken world, as we saw the Tekken characters in the Capcom world would have been really cool. And... uh Dustin, let me just throw this question at you real quick, just, just yeah. out of nowhere. Okay. I'm ready. And Chris, I'm going to throw it to you, too. So you have a little more time to think. Dustin doesn't. Okay. What's mm. the crossover fighter we need right now? What's the crossover fighter? The crossover fighter. Oh, wow. Um. So, so is there any parameters here? Does it need to be fighting No, it can be whatever you want. It's just a fun. It's just a... No, 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 no. Because, you know, like some of the earliest crossover fighters were like Street Fighter cross x-men and shit like that so it's not you know or it was actually called street fighter versus x-men at the time mm. <sighs> no one would have understood how to say x in 1997 i'll tell you that yeah right now. <laughs> no um i'm trying to think what would appeal to me 
Didn't they? Did they do a Final Fantasy fighting game at one yeah, point? Yeah, Dissidia. That oh, was a PSP right. game, and then it came to PS4. Because you could do like a, especially since Square owns both, like a Final Fantasy. Uh, your, your time's up, Chris. Okay. <laughs> I uh, this is, is gonna sound insane, but I've always wanted, I've always wanted like a Seinfeld Mugen fighter, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just feel like that would be endlessly entertaining, and it and it would, everybody would play it on stream. I'm sure at least once. Uh, but I a crossover fighter, dude. I would like. I want something that's a that's a big juxtaposition, you know, like here's a, like a Mortal Kombat cross Mario Party, you know, like something fucking insane. Like, that's what I would love to see. Like, I would love to see just Mario get eviscerated, you know, like really. I don't think I don't not think Smash I don't, I, Yeah, not Smash Brothers style where he just like flies off into like a little like Pokemon blip into the sky. I mean, like just straight up like. That would be something. There, there was that fight or two of like all the different deities fighting. What the hell was it like? Uh, oh, um, Haiti. No, not Hades. Um, it was like I know uh, what you're talking was, about because people yeah, were offended by it. Uh, yeah, because you could, because yeah, you could like play Jesus versus like Muhammad. Yeah, and, and shit like that. And I was just like, oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Clash of Gods or some shit. Yeah, like that. please don't write in about it. Yeah, don't because I don't care enough about that. I had a bunch that come in, came into my mind. I, I think with Konami's resurgence, Capcom cross Konami would be or versus Konami would be dope. I mean, you, I'm getting like the guys from Contra and Dracula oh, that, and, and yeah. Bomberman. That would actually that'd be awesome. That would actually be cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, that, I didn't I know would, we were I trying would, to. I didn't know we had good ideas on this show. But that would be uh, sometimes that'd be do. sick. Sometimes we do. That'd be that'd be sick. It's like, funny you brought like up Seinfeld though, because I remember biking to the pizza shop in my hometown with my brother-in-law when he was just dating my my sister in the beginning. So this was 1997 or whatever. And I remember we were talking about Seinfeld, like celebrity street fighter. We made up celebrity street fighter and talk about how the Seinfeld characters would fight. And so it was just a very vivid memory for me. So that, that scratched <laughs> that for me. So RIP Tekken cross street fighter. Number seven, Warner brothers own developer WB games. Montreal is quietly creating a game in an all new IP, a bit of a surprise for a studio that will have taken a full nine years in between launches. Word comes by way of website PC Games N, which notes that several job listings are recruiting for, quote unquote, a new IP AAA game. We know that WB Games Montreal is in the final stages of developing Gotham Knights set for PS4 and PS5 in 2022, but that a second game is also coming is interesting. It's presumed to be a DC related project as WB Montreal has made note of working on a pair of DC projects in the past, though it has since scrubbed this from their website. It's widely assumed that this project could be a Superman game, though that's far from confirmed. However, that the studio is developing two projects concurrently is weird, as the team hasn't launched a game since 2013's Batman Arkham Origins came to PlayStation 3. It's still never seen release off of that generation of consoles. I actually had to double check that because I was like, really, it still hasn't come out? But it hasn't. Any ideas, Chris, on what you That's might crazy. like this to be? First of all, I think it's super strange that they're making another game. I, I they, they haven't released a game since I worked at IGN. And they won't release their game for another yeah. year or so, at least. Yeah. So what, what, what are you thinking about this? If it's a Superman game, that's going to be disappointing because I, I just don't think Superman's fun <laughs> like to play in anything. We've had Superman games before. They're all like sh like staggeringly mediocre. And uh, I, I don't even think that that's uh, I don't even think that's like a reflection of like the devs. I just straight up think like Superman just can't <laughs> work. Yeah, it's kind, of a, a game, he's so kind of a I always kind of felt like he was a whack character. No offense to fans of them, but it's just. He's he's super strong. You do anything he wants. He flies and beats everyone up and has like no limitations except for this mysterious oh my God. 
my my roommate and I get into arguments because he loves Superman. He's like he's so relatable, uh, and it's like I don't understand how you could possibly relate to an immortal being but From another uh, planet. Yeah, that's interesting. Was that Sweeney? Yeah, that's a Sweeney thing. Yeah, yeah Sweeney. He loves him because he, he's like, oh, but he's you know he can fly and he he doesn't have to worry about ever like being assassinated or getting sick, but. Uh, you know, he chooses to live as a farm boy, as, as a as a humble farm boy, and it's like it's the least relatable thing in the world. If I could fly, I would not be live, working as a fucking farm boy. Yeah. You're out of your goddamn mind. Agreed. But yeah, like I don't, I don't know, man. I think um, I, I don't know what this could possibly be. They they really have a track record of really making only like a very specific style of game, uh, and you know, it just happens to be something that I'm just not all that keen on. So I don't even know if like my 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 input is even valuable, but like whatever the hell they're making, I, I really hope that it's not a Superman game because it will not be good. Yeah, I, I imagine you're probably right. I think that's why everyone's kind of stayed away from Superman. I mean, of course, one of the worst games of all time is Superman 64, but that has oh nothing to do with Superman. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's kind of an, it's ironic because <laughs> Superman 64 is horrible, but it really has nothing to do with the, the IP. It's just a really horrible game. But it's ironic in, in a sense that it seems difficult for anyone to know what to do with Spite or with yeah. Superman. And that's because the character's a little bit whack in my mind. But Dustin, are we uh, off base here? No, I think we we need to ban superheroes, period. We've talked about this. Make them illegal. You know, they have oversaturated <laughs> uh, film and TV. And now I'm I'm wondering, are we hitting a saturation with games as well? We have. Uh, the Avengers game, we have Guardians of the Galaxy, we have Suicide Squad, we have Gotham Knights, we have whatever this other game is in addition. Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man's um, Spider okay, though, because I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right. no, to me, I'm just kind of like, nah. I know, I, I shouldn't be too mean because I know that a lot of people are very excited about superheroes in marvel and dc but i'm just i'm i feel i'm you're tired fucking, i'm tired all fucking dweebs <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow that went to a dark place all right number eight it appears final fantasy 9 is getting a cartoon adaptation word comes by way of website kid screen which reports that cyber group studios located in france is creating a kid slanted rendition of final fantasy 9 in animated form that will aim to uh aim towards the 8 to 13 year old demographic Kidscreen reports that while Square Enix has bought in on the project, including distribution, licensing, and even merchandising, the animation studio still hasn't shopped the show. Should it be picked up, it will begin production by the beginning of 2022. While Square Enix has shown incredible openness in expanding certain Final Fantasy worlds, particularly 4, 7, 13, and 14, it has completely ignored others. Final Fantasy IX is one of the most well-regarded in the franchise, but also one of the most under the radar. It came to PS1 in that console's waning years in 2000, and was returned to an older look and feel after the more technological themes and visuals of Final Fantasy VI and especially Seven VII and Eight. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about this other than this is weird. When I saw this, I was like, this is a very strange thing. Final Fantasy IX? I like Final Fantasy IX yeah. a lot. I would argue that's actually PS1's is, best Final Fantasy. Oh, sorry, Chris. Is nine? No, I can't be. That's, that must have been a PS2 game. Is nine the one with Titus where he's no, doing the 10. weird that's, laugh? That's 10. 10. All right, yeah. Then I have nothing to say about it. I was looking forward to seeing uh, Titus laugh. By oh, the way, would, I'm pretty no. sure Ty, that that dude is Ratchet. I, I keep hearing Ratchet's oh, voice. Oh, same. It could be the I same keep, actor. I don't know. I, I keep hearing like Titus's laugh every time. Every time I hear Ratchet talking, it's, it makes me uncomfortable, kind of. But <laughs> Chris, what's uh? I'm sorry, Dustin. What's your feel on this? I don't know. Are you a Final Fantasy IX person? I don't. 
there are a lot of people that like this game a lot. I mean, I was a big fan of it when it came out. But yeah, it's been a I've while. heard I've heard that it's great. I think it was just uh, Maddie, I think, who played it recently and talked very highly of it. But I, I'm curious, does does this fit the demographic for eight to 13 year olds for this game? Yeah, in a way. I mean, just because if you look at the character designs, because I was thinking of that, too. If you look at the character designs, they are quite childlike short and squat you know you think about vv who is like the black mage they, they're they are a little more childlike than when you would think of seven or eight and then by the time we got to 10 it was getting just a little more realistic generally it's funny you bring that up because from a from a cartoonish standpoint nine actually does make the most sense just by the way the characters look but i don't know i was reading a little bit about the rumor and they apparently wrote a whole bible for it and stuff and i, I was like what I, I was just curious like what drew you to this and then why did Square Enix say yes? Um, I want to see more about this. I don't think that they would. I, I think Square probably looks at Konami and is like, um, look at what these guys are doing with Castlevania. And they don't even care. We can we should be getting involved in this a little bit more. And, and to their point, they had tried to get involved in this with Final Fantasy Advent Children and stuff. So, Dustin, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just you said exactly. What I was thinking about that. They're looking at Konami and the success of Castlevania and. Just recently with Final Fantasy 15, they did do like, a, I think, an anime, short anime called Final Fantasy 15. Was it Brotherhood? Something kind of lame. So it just makes Final Fantasy and anime seems like a perfect pairing, especially if you do like anime retellings of your old, old games that maybe you're, they're not quite set for a full remake. But this is something that you could explore. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Well, we'll find out if anyone picks it up. I assume someone will. Probably one of the streaming services. You don't want to ignore a Final Fantasy product. For sure. No. Number nine, shadowy Chinese mega corporation Tencent has made another substantial investment in the gaming industry. As reported by multiple sources, the company acquired a majority share in Jaeger, the German team best known for its heady 2012 third person cover shooter Spec Ops The Line. You recall that Jaeger had previously sold a minority share of itself to Tencent only a year ago in 2020. It's unclear why Tencent would be interested in Jaeger, but it does have one game in particular, The Cycle, that may be drawing its interest. The Cycle launched in early access on PC in 2019 and is a PvEVP FPS. Its first release on PlayStation was Dreadnought, uh, or I'm sorry, its last release on PlayStation was Dreadnought, a combat flight sim that came out in late 2017. There's not much to say about this other than that I have no idea why Tencent wants Jaeger. It, it's, it's a very, they must know something or see something there. But who the hell knows? I don't. Do you guys have anything to say about this? Uh, probably not. No, I would assume not. Not really. Yeah. And then number 10, in an interesting move, Sony has revealed PlayStation Now's most popular games between March 1st and June 1st earlier this year. On PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, the top five PS Now games, counting both downloaded and streaming, were in order. Avengers, Horizon Zero Dawn, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, F1 2020, and WWE 2K19. Over on PC, however, where players have access to the library but can only stream, the top five most popular games were as follows. Bloodborne, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Last of Us, Avengers, and Detroit Become Human. PlayStation Now, launched way back in 2014, has just north of 3 million active users, less than 10% of rival Xbox's popular Game Pass service. However, it's also much cheaper. It costs $60 per year. So not a huge surprise here, but it does show you, Chris, the lack of games on playstation now obviously avengers was a big release i i feel like avengers and borderlands 3 were the first big ones they really got on the on the platform but seeing wwe yeah. 2k19 as your fifth most played game on your service is pretty astonishing and i don't i'm a little 
confused why they even shared this information, to be honest. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it, it. It's it's not even all that interesting. Like even that's that's the most interesting thing about it. And even that like is just sort of like, uh, all right, that's the, the most interesting thing about it is that it's that they even shared it in the first place. You know, <laughs> so it's almost like this cyclical. It's like a Mobius strip. So like, I, I, I don't know, like, I guess people wanted this like information i think it's kind of interesting that uh bloodborne is super popular only because like you would imagine that it would be yeah well that's what that's what i was going to say was and you know dustin i get you your take on this is that the the list kind of shakes up on pc when you remove ps4 and ps5 and you can only stream on pc people are playing all the exclusives so there is some draw there i suppose and bloodborne number one was a story that was getting a lot of people's attention although again i just they should have just shared like the top three or something just because I, I think seeing something like WWE 2K19 is like, man, it's just bad news. Yeah. yeah. And then number 11, website Gamatsu reports. This is a wrap up, of course. Website Gamatsu reports monster struck uh, monster truck. I'm sorry. I said struck here. Monster truck centric crash drive three comes to PS4 and PS5 on July 8th. Adventure title Lost at Sea comes to PS5 on July 15th. Side scroller cotton reboot comes to PS4 on July 20th. FPS Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2 already available on PS4 gets its delayed PS5 iteration on August 24th. Fighting game Melty Blood Type Lumina comes to PS4 on September 30th. And turn-based game Research and Destroy comes to PS4 and PS5 in October. That's an awesome name. The website also reports that side-scroller Guild of Darksteel has been canceled on PS4, still coming to Switch, while the Square Enix published Near games Automata and Replicant have both sold well. The former has pushed 6 million units since 2017, while the latter launched earlier this year, has now surpassed 1 million. Website Push Square reports Adventure Games, uh, Adventure Game, the process to Calvary comes, I'm sorry, it's the procession to Calvary, comes to PS4 in July. Co-op Shooters, Alien Fire Team comes to PS4 and PS5 on August 24th. Metroidvania Recompile comes to, uh, title, Recompile comes to PS5 at some point in August. The original Kerbal Space Program is coming to PS5 at the end of the year. Its sequel to come to PS4 and PS5 next year. And narrative-driven game Lost in Random is due on PS4 and PS5 by the end of 2021. That's all the news. Boys, as we always do, let's end with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Media. We could not do it without you. We appreciate your support. Without you, we simply wouldn't be doing this at all. Nathan McKinnis wrote into us and said, hey, CDC, I hope all is well with you fine gentlemen. I was looking to get all your takes on the news that Xbox is delivering their next-gen exclusives to the previous generation through xCloud. Overall, I believe this is a smart approach for Xbox as the cloud games will be running off of Xbox Series X hardware in the back end. It could potentially give a lot more life to people who are not looking to upgrade yet, but want to play the newest games. Also, it will not distract the devs to put time into previous gen versions and focus on pure next gen gaming. And I am a fan of that. Thanks for all you guys do. Love the last man's last damn media content. Thank you, Nathan. Chris, what did you make of this announcement? Uh, X Cloud is it just a marketing thing again, or is this is this something that is uh, of relevance to our audience? I I think it's both. I think it's definitely there's no there's no doubt that this is like obviously like a marketing thing, but at the same time, uh, I don't know if you you guys uh, keep an eye on the Switch Store, but I pop in there every now and again, and I I remember seeing Control on Switch, and I was like, huh, how the fuck is that possible? Because it barely runs on PlayStation Four. And apparently there are a lot of games on Switch that run purely on the cloud. Like, uh, I, can't, I can't, there's a couple other ones, but like Control was the one that stuck out to me. It's like, oh, it's called like Control Cloud version or something on Switch. And I'm like, wow, that is an interesting solution to that problem. 
and it makes a ton of sense with you know xbox doing the sex cloud thing it makes a ton of sense to like hey if if we can stream stuff from really good hardware onto phones why not put our next gen games on our previous gen console Mm. without draining the the or, or without having to rely on the power of those outdated machines i think that's actually like super smart I wonder how they work. I haven't tried these cloud versions. I haven't. I haven't even really tried with uh, X Cloud. I've done a little bit of streaming every now and again, but it's it's not the way that I prefer to play my games anyway. But if, for the people who don't necessarily care that much about like frame rate, like I do, or like for the people who like are a little bit more forgiving, the people who you know have TVs that they don't put in game mode until I come over and do it for them because they don't notice. You know, I maybe this is a big deal for a lot of people if if dude if you could play like imagine if you could just play ratchet and clank rift apart on your ps on your base ps4 running at 60 with like the the thing barely running just because it's streaming that's kind of that's enticing and and pretty fucking interesting i I, i'm curious as to how this will actually function so hopefully i can like maybe test it out whenever this thing goes like proper public or uh usable but I'm really curious about this. What do you think, Dustin? I think it's a pretty crazy move that it really shows that Microsoft is dedicated to being uh, Xbox as a service and not a a one console. Because think about it like this. Streaming isn't for everybody. Some people are more sensitive to latency or the compression or whatever, and it's never going to work for them. I'm one of those people. Maybe not never. I'm sure that someday, someday we're going to have perfect streaming just with the rate of technology and whatever, but it doesn't work for me right now. Uh, it doesn't work for Chris either. And I know a lot of people, but on the other hand, there are a lot of people that stream games and have no problem with the latency. They don't even notice. And that's more power to them. If you ask me, so take a person like that and tell them, Hey, if you have an Xbox, uh, an Xbox one, then you can play series X games on game pass through streaming. So Someone can go and theoretically buy a used launch Xbox one and play Starfield on it. And if they're okay with those caveats, that's kind of crazy actually to think about that. So I'll be curious to see how well it works. People have been saying like X cloud has been really good. Maybe not quite as low latency as stadia, but they're continually improving it. They just enabled uh, some Series X versions of games, like specifically Rainbow Six, they have running at 120 FPS on through xCloud. So clearly it's getting better and better. But man, just the, the, the thought of someone being able to buy like a really, really cheap piece of hardware or even by the time Starfield comes out, they might have the Xbox streaming stick or the the Xbox app on your TV. And then literally all you need to do is spend 10 or $15, however much it is, and you can play Starfield. That's that's crazy. It's yeah. it's never going to remove people wanting to buy consoles, people like Chris and I who want that pure native resolution with zero uh, or as little as possible latency. But it's very, very compelling from a average consumer perspective. It also really goes to show you how, and I know that... Um, I think The Verge wrote a really good story about this two, two years ago or so that Nintendo or Sony really should have been first to this and they totally fucked it up. And 
They were in yeah, on they, Gaikai. They bought Gaikai for a yeah. ton of money 10 years ago, and they just botched it. And I actually think this is a really clever way for, for Microsoft. It's now clear, as we were saying, that they really are going to move forward and they're going to have some sort of backwards compatibility solution to just be able to play those games natively on old hardware. It's just it works out in every way for them. And yeah, I think it's a big deal, too. Uh, I'm very impressed with this, and I, I'm interested to see how it all ends up working out for everyone. You'll have to give us your feedback out there. Yeah. And and one thing I, I would also say is like this is... A- a far superior a far superior way of catering to your old old user base than you know keeping games restricted to like 2012 hardware for like base development you know like this is a great way for like you know if you have an xbox one then you can still play the next gen version and not feel like that machine was holding it back just so that it could be made available on that platform this is like the best way to approach that problem i think so it's like i don't know this is really cool yeah fascinating uh, i think so too very well said we'll keep a close eye on this obviously cole bullis wrote into us and said colin you often mention that high level publisher executives have been media trained before revealing or talking with the press about a big game but what specifically do you mean by that are they mock interviewed by people in marketing do they practice not saying uh and like when they speak or what I've heard you say this in podcasts for years, but surely I'm not the only one who would like more information on what you mean by media training. Thanks for all the great podcasts. Well, it's quite it's quite straightforward. And I had media training at various times too, although I don't remember any of it really. When we were talking about things at IGN and I was doing interviews and stuff, but basically you just sit down with your the various powers that be. It could be even as simple as HR, but usually marketers and you might even hire external people to come in and you just want to make sure that people stay on their scripts, that they don't go off the reservation, as it were, and that they're prepared for all eventualities and in, in the things that they might be asked and to know this is where the Sony, the famous, although they don't use it anymore because they don't even talk to anyone, but they Sony used to famously say we don't comment on rumor and speculation. I mean, that's where that line came from, because that was the answer. It's like we don't comment on rumor and speculation. What do you think of this? We don't comment on rumor and speculation. That's media training. And when you hear that enough and then you hear it coming from different people's mouths in an organization enough you realize that they were media trained that's why that saying that particular quote will always be associated with playstation in the gaming industry so it simply means taking your people if you're going to take your devs you might go to a dev team sucker punch used to do this when they would show games you go to your dev team and you find like some of the most likable people you find some of the guys that have the most gregarious personalities and you take them and you bring them to e3 and you give them training on how to deal with people and they already have a very out, outward nature. They know about the game very deeply. You don't want to put someone who's shy or whatever. So that's basically all it is. Yeah. It's, there's nothing to it. That's what it means. Yeah. Like a Hugo Martin over at id who like became like a fucking <laughs> a perfect soul to the entire community. Right. Exactly. Like you find the it, 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 I, I was making fun of it. It can go too far. Like Phil Spencer is media trained to the to the nth degree. It's annoying. That's why it was so refreshing to see pete hines and todd howard speak you can tell that bethesda isn't in that same wheelhouse of media training and that they will be very soon i think but that's basically all it means chris kenningham wrote in and said hey cdc first time writer long time listener my question for you guys is this do you have or would you get any gaming related tattoos i recently just got the sacred symbols tattooed on my forearm in a sketch style in their respective colors thank you And I'm now planning on getting other various stuff from PlayStation properties. My ideas are currently the Uncharted Compass and the Firefly symbol, the Foxhound patch, Precursor Orb, a gold bolt. And if there's enough room, maybe the Phantom Thieves logo. What would you guys get or suggest? Am I missing something? Well, I can't suggest to you the tattoos you should get. 
But I've long wanted to do that to get a couple of gaming tattoos. Specifically, if you watch the video version, you can see that my microphone has the Dr. Wiley logo on it from Mega Man. And that is a logo I've always wanted tattooed on me because that's like the branding he puts on his robots. <laughs> but and I want to get the Cobra logo tattooed <laughs> on me, too, from G.I. Joe. But I don't know that I would go the full like leg sleeve thing or anything. My arms are already taken up with my history tattoos, so I can't go there. But uh, Dustin, do you want to get like, you know, Monokuma tattooed on your ass or anything like that? Mm, I, well, that's the thing. I already have one, so I'd have to get uh, Monami instead on the other cheek. But I. I've thought about this, actually. The thing that always worries me is that eventually like for example i've thought like i loved pokemon when i was a kid it would be cool to get some kind of cool pokemon tattoo but then i'm like eh, i don't like pokemon anywhere near as much now what if eventually pokemon like turns to complete shit and then it's like eh. i what gotta if remember pikachu, though what if pikachu comes out as a child molester i know that's it's <laughs> it's you never know in this day and age what's gonna happen so and that's the thing. I don't know. Like, I guess what's important, because Colin, like, even though there's been some some shit with Mega Man, right? Yeah, it doesn't definitely. take away from that that original Dr. Wily. Yeah, I don't logo. know what you're going to be able to do to Dr. Wily. Like, I guess you could imagine and I'm not, I guess I'm kind of half kidding here, but you can imagine some reboot of Mega Man where Dr. Wily is like a white supremacist or some crazy shit like that. And then you have this logo on you and you're like, oh, God damn. But hopefully <laughs> but hopefully they don't. <laughs> do that to Mega Man and it's it's almost because it's like we, we've made fun of the people naming their kids Khaleesi which is the fucking funniest thing ever yeah, uh, yeah. which is who literally it's first of all it's weird second of all it's hysterical considering the way it all ended so right. yeah it's a little bit dangerous to do that but I liked his ideas like I like simple things like a gold bolt that's not first of all it's not going to look very good on your skin of gold but so you have to rethink that but if you got like a bolt or just a few things like from games that you really like that were just Things maybe even only a few people would recognize from that game or like real fans of it. I think that's almost neater than being very overt and putting like Nathan Drake's yeah. head on your fucking back or something like that. Chris, where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I think that's the way to go about it. It's something a little bit more subtle uh, that is you don't want. I am of the mind like personally, like because I do want to get a sleeve eventually, but I, I don't. I don't want any words on me. Like, I don't want people reading me. I don't want like the a, a logo that's like like. I wouldn't want Halo like tattooed across my <laughs> chest like a psycho. You know what I mean? But if I were to get something from that universe, it would be very specific and something that like if you like if you looked at it, you would just think, oh, that's nice art. And if you understood it, you'd be like, oh, I know what that is. And that's like kind of like a that's a that's a fun part of uh, conversing with like, you know, people who have who have tattoos in the first place it's like oh I, oh, oh shit I, I love that game or like oh i love that movie or like oh that's my favorite album whatever but it's it never like says what it is and to me that's like that's this that's the sweet spot you don't want like just logos all over you like it's in like uh, like you're a nascar <laughs> driver you know for me like i, I wouldn't want like because so many logos also follow the same exact fucking it's like what is it? it's like a, it's a circle with a thing in it and then like another circle it doesn't like go well on a it doesn't form a, a very nice image right uh but as far as gaming tattoos i don't have any yet but i've always wanted the bioshock chain right that's right on the wrist yeah that'd like, be I've, cool. I've wanted that for a long time I, I have a friend of mine who has uh uh the odd world uh abe's hand tattoos on both of his hands and it looks so sick but like you would have no idea what that was if you 
if you were a normal person and didn't play, didn't play. And you'd have to explain that to a woman as well, which is not going to well, necessarily go well. <laughs> you can just make something up at that point. It's like ah, uh, you know, it means it means uh, you know, love and life or something. Well, it's, kinda, a woman wants it's to like hear, what I, I do when I I haven't I don't drive in Ubers anymore, but I used to get so tired of talking to Uber drivers that I would just make up things like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a truck driver. Yeah, you know, oh, like, I do the like, same thing. Yeah, like it's just like because I don't. I just I'm so sick of the same old thing. So having those tattoos would be an invitation to nightmarish conversations for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> so beware. But as far as the, I, I like your little, like the Phantom Thieves and Gold Bolt and the precursor. I don't know how you're going to get the precursor or the, the Boxdown patch. Nice little combination of things. I like the Firefly logo a lot as well. That would be a cool thing to get. But it's unclear. You got to yeah. be careful because it's, it, and see, this is a good example. We don't really know much about the Fireflies. We don't. Like, we really don't know much about them. We don't know what they've yeah. done and they are considered by some groups to be terrorists and stuff. So it's just like you don't want the third Last of Us to come out and the and the fireflies pop off in some way. And then you have this basically swastika on your arm or something. So just just be careful. <laughs> that's that's my big thing with fiction. And if I knew people were getting shit tattooed on them, like at like something I made where they're getting and I would just totally like just to fuck with it. Like the whole Khaleesi thing is a great example. Like, I wish that they knew. I hope they knew that like Khaleesi was like the the 19th biggest name last year. And it's like, well, make, let's make that bitch crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Ruin it all. Yeah. It's like, I remember, <laughs> I remember getting it. I remember getting a, I can't remember if it was like a, a DM or it, I, I was tagged, but like on Instagram, I remember seeing somebody tattooed artwork of me on their arm. No. Awesome. I'm not even kidding. And I remember oh. thinking like, that is don't do that don't if you're do not do that no like please because it just makes me want to be like the worst person (laughs) (laughs) we want to prove you wrong i do appreciate you getting the sacred symbols logo of course though that's always that's got to be fun for dagan especially because he designed all this stuff so wait that's a a safe one too because like if if we if he ends up hating us in like two years and blocking us on twitter he could just be like ah it's just playstation well (laughs) is he referring to sacred symbols proper or is this maybe he just got the Oh, the sacred symbols. Let me see what he says. Um, Sacred symbols. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe he means that we have got. Oh, that's probably what he means because he didn't use the capital letters. We have a bunch of people that have the sacred symbols logo tattooed on them already. You were about to join a an esteemed group, but then Dustin fucked it up. Next question comes from Andrew Arana, who wrote in and said, hey, guys, love the show. I take issue with your distaste with the announcement of deviation games in Haven. Don't forget about Firewalk. I really feel like you're complaining for the sake of complaining. I sometimes do that, Andrew. My argument would be that these announcements Sony is showing that they are making deals and exclusives are coming. Also, on the most recent Sacred Symbols Plus episode, Colin mentioned that he likes the mystery of studios working on something unknown, but then gets mad at Deviation for keeping their game a mystery. In three years, in three year trailers for these games will be shown and none of these studio announcements will matter. Honestly, they are only controversial because you're making a big fuss out of it. I think simply saying, oh, cool, is a much more rational response as opposed to if they've lost their chance to make a big splash. No, they haven't. The big splash is when they announce the game, not the studio. Apologies for the long post. Don't roast me too hard. I love all three of you. Thank you, Andrew, for writing in. I just totally disagree. I, I just feel like yeah, I, I don't agree with you at all. I, I don't think that Sony, these studios could have made themselves known. You have a website. You put stuff up on Gamma Sutra. If you're like, you know, hiring, maybe you're on LinkedIn and Glassdoor and there's mystery growing and no one knows you're working on a AAA IP. That's all it would say. This is the way most games are made. So I totally disagree with this notion that it doesn't matter. Of course, the game. First of all, if the game trailers are shown in three years, they really fucked up announcing these games or announcing these trailers that early. But 
apart from that, I just feel like why not just keep it all quiet until you have something to show. An announcement, an announcement of a team working on a game is not really anything that interesting when the team doesn't even exist. It's yeah, like there's it, like it, a well, million well, of them, too. Well, I was just going to say, it's like it's not like Sony says Bungie is making a triple A exclusive for PlayStation 5 and we'll have more to show later. That's not what it is. Or it's not like saying we have an exclusive deal with From Software for Bloodborne 2 and we're going to tell you about it later. No, what they said was Jade Raymond quit Google two weeks ago. Somehow she created a team already and we've given her money and she'll make a game and you'll see it in five years. Okay, bye. And that's not an announcement. What they should have done is said in two or let's say a year and a half, they should have said Jade Raymond's been hard at work. The game is called this. Here's the studio. Here's what it's going to be. We'll see it X, Y and Z. And you can't you can't put that smoke back in the chair. God. Yeah, or, or or like a like a code name or something, you know, like uh, just or or like a little trailer, like a tease, there's something that th- that is more substantial than just like announcing a team, like on Twitter. The, I think the thing that's really you've only got one first impression, you know, like, and right. I I understand that there's a lot of people who like don't pay attention to the granular parts of the industry that are just like they might they didn't hear about this, so their first impression will be the trailer. And I, I understand that that's a valid point. And I think a lot of people probably are in that camp where they're like, they still have their chance to make their first impression to the majority of people. That is true. I just think the, the nature by which they announced these studios felt like they were scrambling. Yes. It felt like the, it felt like it didn't feel like a confident announcement of like a, a cool thing that they had a lot of faith in because there's nothing there to have faith in yet. It's just a bunch of people working on a thing, which is not unique at all. There are like hundreds of developers working on a thing right now, hundreds of studios working on things right now, and maybe 10% of them will be noteworthy. You know, it's it's not I, – I just feel like the way that they went about this, especially because it's Sony who should have a cooler head and, and generally does do a good job of unveiling things to just kind of say, here's Haven, here's, um, you know, deviation. We've got nothing. Maybe you'll see something in five years. That just seems to me, if you take in, if you take that moment in time and analyze it in the con- in the greater context of what's going on in the industry, it seems like Xbox is in the press a lot. They're doing a lot of things. People keep talking about game pass. We have to have something. And that's what it came across. I don't know if that's the reason, but it comes across as like very like haphazard, very unplanned, very unprofessional, very scrambled, like just something to get into the consciousness, almost desperate, it it, it seems. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. It's not that like, yeah, I, I understand that, again, many, many people haven't heard about this and they will see Deviation Games and and um, uh, Haven's game when it has a proper trailer and that'll be the first impression for most people. But I just think the very initiation of this announcement in the first place indicates a lack of confidence in some way. Yeah. And it's just weird. I, I understand that. I, I, I want to expand on that in a little bit because you're right in the sense that the first impression does matter in some way, even though no one or not no one, but some people will not be aware of that in first impression. That's always the case. But I just don't understand the power of saying like, oh, yeah, we have a team that's working on a PlayStation game. They can't say anything about it, uh, but they're working on it. And maybe one day you'll see it. Dustin, I just feel like wouldn't it have been better? I wish I, I almost was you almost wish you were like a, an advisor there sometimes. And they're, and they're talking about this stuff. Now, and you want to be like, guys, wait, 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 don't do that. There's no reason to do that. Your console right. is selling like hotcakes. 
Right. You have some, uh, you know, you're big, you got rat, Returnal and Ratchet out. We, people are curious about what's the calm horizon, all that, but let's take six months and get the team together, get them sitting in the same place and organized when the cage of Haven and let's come out with a title. Let's come out with what it is or something that we're building something or wait a year, 18 months. I just feel like why should you be excited that a team of guys that worked on Black Ops is making a game that tells you nothing? I'm sorry. That's just not that useful to me, Chris. I actually I want to say this. Yeah, please. Because this is there's a mirror into the other side with this, too. When the initiative was first announced, I remember like Xbox was like, we're making a quadruple A studio, right. whatever. We can't talk about anything. We're not talking about it. We don't we don't. There's no information other than like, here's some people who worked on this. We don't know in what capacity. So that's that information is like almost negligible. But, you know, we're working on something and uh, whatever. And then years went by nothing. And then they showed uh, the teaser for Perfect Dark. And I thought that was cool. But the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, wow. I wish this was. New, new, like I wish I hadn't been like. Because, like, if you announce something that far in advance with nothing to show, people people are going to make shit up in their heads. They're like, what is this going to be? And then no matter what you come out with, unless it's just universally loved, which is very unlikely, people are going to either come across, come, come out of that announcement either underwhelmed or disappointed. I'm happy to see Perfect Dark again, but it would have been a lot cooler if Microsoft just was like, Oh, here's one more thing. And it said the initiative, a new logo. What the fuck is that? What is this team? And then it's perfect dark. The fuck? And then and then they have the thing. It's like, hey, we're the initiative. This is our side. This is what we're working on. This is our team. That's that to me is like an an example of just like you can't put the genie back in the bottle once it's out. Even for me, as somebody who forgot about the initiative, you know, when they showed perfect dark, I was like. Cool. Would have been a nice surprise, though. Right. It also you know, took them a long time to get to that point, which was even surprising, exactly. more surprising, which is why announcing the initiative made no sense. And in my mind, because Dustin, I don't know if this is unfair, but people are like, well, they need to hire. They need to make themselves known. And I'm like, I don't know about that because I'm not trying to be offensive. But if you don't know how to get hired or you don't know how to get in touch with Jade Raymond at Haven early on in the, in the going and you don't know someone in some connection, they probably don't want you right now. You know, like they, they are they're hiring executive level. And leadership management level te- people that will then do the hiring and probably bring in their own people, all their own people. So you definitely want things to be known in the environment that someone's hiring, that this team is doing this and that. But the entire environment is run under NDA. Teams hire secretly all the time. As we said earlier in the show, when we were talking about Blue Box, there are studios many people have never heard about that have done massive games on behalf of other teams and have gotten no credit for it because they work in a, in a silent or ghost capacity. So I just none of it adds up to me. And I like what Chris said about just tell us who you are when it's time to show us what you're doing. I don't need to know who you are before you have something to show us. Yeah, I think. uh, Okay, Chris. No, no, I I feel like I'm like trampling all over the conversation, but I'm just I'm I'm of the mind where it's like if you want to get hired. Yeah, like there's there's ways that they can do that without announcing a studio, you know, like because they treat it like it was an announcement. Like it was like a big deal. And it's like, if you're just looking for people to hire, just put that on like industry sites or like what it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's ways to make yourself known publicly without like treating it as if you've announced something substantial. You know, definitely. Dustin, what were you going to say? 
Um, I think, no, I agree with like everything you guys are saying. I have the only different angle I have, which is it's related and unrelated because Andrew here, he says, love the three of you. Don't roast me too hard. I got to roast you a little bit, bro. I feel like you're complaining for the sake of complaining. Like, dude, we're a PlayStation podcast. We analyze the news and we comment on it. What we think. Yes, Jade Raymond is making a new team. Is that what she you hasn't want? made you... a game in 10 years? Yes. Is that you know, like, what? dude, I see this type of comment on YouTube. Not all the time, but regularly. It's, it's like sacred symbols is too negative. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> uh, this is just we're just saying people come and listen to the show because they think we have interesting thoughts. And that's what we're going to provide. It's not complaining for the sake of complaining. That's that is a ridiculous statement uh and i i don't know like i what do you want do you want us to be like uh the red letter media nerd crew where it's like we're like every like colin was just doing it's like jade raymond she's she's the best colin what do you think jade raymond's game is gonna be like because yeah. i'm real excited it's like, gonna be like assassin's creed 2 the last game she launched yeah so like it's it's <laughs> i'm not trying to be an asshole but it's just i kind of am i guess but I don't that's not how I've ever absorbed games. I, I don't get excited for games like that. I'm sorry. And I, I'm more interested in the business and analytical aspect of it. These announcements make no sense. Chris is right. These announcements seem like something that you do, you do when you're scared. The Haven one I thought was most egregious because, again, all of those people had just left Google, so they have nothing. Yeah. And I, I just don't. The Firewalk one was a little more interesting in deviation because it seems like they're a little further along. But it, I, I'll just reiterate that not all things are created equal. If From Software said, we're making a new Bloodborne game and we'll talk to you later, that's different than Deviation Games saying, we're Deviation Games and we literally can't say anything. Remember, that that was the that was the quote, basically. What kind of game are you making? They, they were like almost like saying like, what kind of game are you making? What's it going to be on? What's it? And it's like, we can't tell you any of that yet. I'm like, oh, good. You can't even tell us what the genre is of the game you're making. That's fun. Yeah. It, and it's like, we're just so far away from these games anyway. So like, why even, like, dude, even like, uh, you know, Microsoft announced uh, uh, Indiana Jones a couple months back. And like, we know now that it's like, oh, it's in the really, really early, early stages of development. You know what I mean? So it's like, if that's, that's a studio with, money and like industry talent and like pr a, a proven pedigree machine games is no joke and if they're going to take ages to make something that they've shown us already kind of and like actually shown us like a teaser of how long is it going to be before this haven game is ready how long is it going to be before you know what i mean like it's going to be ages Definitely. so like why waste the hype i, I don't know i know we, we're probably hammering this guy too much but um, Screw you, Andrew. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> we appreciate you, bud. Dan Patterson wrote in and said, hey, CDC, what are your opinions on demos that developers use to gain feedback from their audience to make changes to the final game? I recently finished the Final Fantasy Origins demo and took the survey as an opportunity to help them improve the game. They have a long way to go, but I hope my input leads to actual improvements. This was also done with Bravely Default 2, and I feel the user feedback helped them to improve the final product. Do you all want to have a say during development or do you feel that's what internal playtesters are for? Thanks and keep up all the great content. All right. So I know that this goes multiple ways. I know that people feel differently about this and um, I appreciate that. I will say this. I don't want to test your game. I don't want to have anything to do with telling you how to make the game. 
you make the game and then you sell it to me and I play the game. And that's the way this is going to work. And we often we often make fun of like these uh, these betas that are really like so close to launch that they're really just pre-order churns and they're trying to just make more money and they can't really change anything in time. And then these games still come out broken anyway, kind of sometimes catastrophically broken. And we were seeing recently even games that people are excited about that D&D game on Game Pass, like it's a fucking travesty, apparently. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it just you you make the this is what I've been saying about dreams, right? And Media Molecule, you make the game and you do all the work and then I'll buy it and I'll play the game myself. So I have no interest. I don't like demos, generally speaking, but demos where it's like because there are a lot of demos too, where you get NDA and then you give like real feedback and stuff. And that's cool. And I guess it's empowering, but it's not what I want to interact with that like that any more than I want to listen to like the next cut of the 311 record and be like, oh, I think the snare is a little too loud. And I think that you got <laughs> this song could probably be cut. It's like, no, you produce the record and I'll listen to it. That That's it's it's just like I, I don't. So I know it's exciting to people, but I also feel like people are kind of getting taken advantage of in some way where. It's like almost a shortcut. Like, why don't you just hire mock reviewers that know what they're talking about to help you fix your game? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> it's kind of a two way street uh, in, in some of these instances where like, I mean, like sometimes because you could pre-order uh, for a beta and then just cancel your pre-order and you've essentially got to play this game, play the game for free. And and a lot of those people who play betas don't even like really submit feedback anyway. They just, you know, they play the game and they're like, that was it's fucking dumb and then they leave and then they don't submit any like a lot of beta testers are useless i think uh especially if it's like a, a public open beta where it's just like it's very clearly meant to drum up hype or like mainly just meant to stress test servers for for certain things but it is a very weird situation because i gotta i gotta be really involved to want to beta test like it's got to be like my favorite game in the world and i gotta be like invested like personally in how well it is how well it's made for me to even bother actually contributing to the beta process in like a way other than just playing a a game for free and just setting it down like i have uh participated in halo betas in the past where i've like i've filled out things like this isn't working and just because i care about that but that's very few and far between you know like i'm not doing that for every single fucking game you know, right. I will say, Colin, I wanted to ask you that I so the last time I was at E3, I had a few instances where I would play a demo and a developer would ask me for feedback and I'm too nice and would just be like, oh, yeah, I don't know or whatever or be like, oh, I got to go. I find that ridiculous uh, to ask members of the press for feedback, like for examples. And I don't think there's a problem with me saying this. I, when I got a behind closed doors demo of cyberpunk, they handed out surveys to everyone in the press to give them feedback on the demo. I'm like, that's not my fucking job. Like, like yeah, you that's, rid- pay. that's you ridiculous. Pay that's yeah. You should pay someone for that. Right. Exactly. And that was because I've given a lot of feedback too. And, and I've taught, I talk candidly about games before they come out. People ask, and I'm in the thank yous of some games because I, I helped them. And, you know, I think a notable version is Guacamelee, where it was my I had specific and like really strong feedback for them. I'm like, you've got to get this game on the D-pad and off the analog sticks. You must get this game off the D-pad. And then they did because of what I said. And they were so grateful that they listened to that. They they put me in the credits of the game. So those things those things happen. And that's really cool. But generally speaking, 
my like I always look at it as like my I'm a, I am a video game expert. And if you want my feedback outside of my shows and stuff, you're going to pay for it. If you want me to like if Sony wants to Sony would never do it. But if you want to X, Y, Z wants to approach us and say, like, what do you think of this game? And I'm like, well, here's uh, my rate and I'll write you up a very thorough series of thoughts about what I think of your game. But I'm not going to just take my 35 years of gaming experience and be like, well, you know, blah. and by the way, I'm, a, I'm in the media. Um, and by the way, this is totally cross wired and fucked up and no wonder no one trusts the press. <laughs> yeah. And finally, Declan H wrote into us and said, hey, CDC. So a couple of weeks ago, we first heard about PlayStation's intentions to bring their IP to the mobile market with Jim Ryan going as far as to say that we will see something in the mobile space sooner rather than we think or sooner than we may think. I'm sorry. While mobile games at a surface level have never really gotten my attention for very long, I can't help but think that something like a port of the Ratchet and Clank Vita collection would be perfect when combined with a backbone or raised Kishi controller razor. What do you guys expect we will see from PlayStation's new mobile venture? Is it just going to be the Last of Us Match 3 games? Or do you think it could pave the way for a Vita-like experience that some of us are so desperately missing? I will say this, that someone had brought up the possibility. It's like, Colin, what if the, what if they build trophies into this thing? And I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. No. <laughs> so, so that was a, re- a revelation I had where maybe I will give these games a chance. But you know what game came to mind for me? And I'll, I'll give you guys a chance to pitch your own. That's why I wanted to bring this up is, I think this is a great opportunity for them to go into older IP, like go into Parappa the Rapper, go into Oom Jammer Lammy, things that make sense. And one of the games that I was thinking about was Studio Liverpool's game, which they were called Psygnosis at the time, but the PS1 trilogy Colony Wars, which was a um, like a X-Wing versus TIE Fighter type space dogfighting game. And I was like, that would be pretty cool on a phone if you could because I was really trying to be open-minded about it. I'm like, well, maybe you can like tilt the phone to move. And maybe there's like some on-screen digital buttons for firing. And I was just trying to think about things that were a little bit outside of the box. That's not like an endless runner. That's not a match three game. That's not a collect-a-thon role-playing game or something that's different. And so I was trying to wonder like, what could they do with it? And Parappa the Rapper came to mind for me too, where I'm like, why wouldn't you do maybe a Parappa the Rapper rhythm game all on the touchscreen? So I'm just wondering, Chris, does anything strike you as what you might want to see? Because I, I think it's I think Declan is is thinking too much. I don't think we're going to get controller based games on phone because I think it just requires a barrier of entry that would suggest you should have just played this on PS4 or PS5 to begin with. So what's the point? Do you think Sony will yeah. really be able to and deliver also something? You can technically, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, no, I was also going to say, like, I'm pretty sure you can also technically just do that already with them. Um what is it the streaming yeah ps now on yeah so you you could play like a full-fledged triple a thing on a very small screen don't know why you would want to do that but you can it's hard for me to even talk about mobile games because i i I sincerely like detest every single one that i've ever played (laughs) like i've tried i've tried even the ones that are like there was what was it blades and sorcery or something there was was one that was like really popular no it's like sorcery Swords and Sorcery. Mm. That was the, like a pixel art one, right? Yeah. Where it was like uh, the tall. Super Brothers. Fucking... Right. Yeah. And I, I played that and I was like, this is like pleasant, but I'm not having fun. And I, I'm just not enjoying it. And this is like the one that everybody told me to play as a, as a mobile game. It's like, oh, no, it's fucking, these mobiles like pretty good. And there's like really cool shit there. If you look, I was just like, I don't know. I've just come to understand that it's just not the place for me. But if I were to suggest anything, I would say 
like you said, uh, with uh, Parappa the Rapper and uh, Unjammer Lamy, like just like it's a good opportunity to like, you know, they're very low cost to make a mobile game, you know, in comparison to a triple A. Why not delve into some of the older IP you have and, and maybe like try something with that? I, I I wish I could suggest something that was interesting from a gameplay perspective, but you've got a lot of IP there to work with in your back catalog that is pretty much unaccessible or inaccessible to, you know, people who buy your uh, who bought your newest machine. Maybe do something with some of those properties that would easily scale to something like a phone. I think forever that was a great idea. Yeah, I, I that one just came to mind. You know what's another one that comes to mind for me is is Legend of Dragoon, just because people want a turn based yeah. role playing game and that's doable on a phone. It's funny though, Dustin, because you had brought up weeks ago when we were talking about clap hands, the game that would have made the most sense on the phone would have been Hot Shots Golf, and they have basically squandered that oppor- opportunity. They own that IP, but clap hands has moved on. It's just you they need to find little ways in like that that. And I think the trophy system must come over. I think that that will draw. I will play these games if. And I think another thing that they should look into is a customizable card game. And I'll remind you that in 2012, they released a customizable card game on Vita for Uncharted, and it was actually quite good. I thought it was a lot of fun. And that's just another way that you can interface with a touchscreen without having to do much of anything. So I think they just need to think outside the box. But I just don't want them to see a replica. I don't want to see like them trying to make an invisibles pokemon go or something they have to be realistic about what people want to do so what are you thinking dustin the mobile market has changed recently but i don't know to what extent because apple opened up the iphone to use xbox and playstation controllers so it used to be you had to buy a specific type of controller to work on your phone and that's no longer the case and since then we've seen games that you normally wouldn't expect on iphone or ipad to show up for example, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night or Dead Cells is one. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty Mobile has controller support, which is supposed to be pretty big. Which these games you can also play on a controller. But again, that's like, why would you put yourself through that? I guess the question that I, I don't know the answer to is that. How many players are using controllers on their iPhone uh, the the write-in mentioned the the razor and the backbone those are supposed to be like really good products actually to be able to play uh use your phone as a more traditional mobile gaming device so if the numbers for that are strong then maybe sony's looking at this and like you know maybe there is potential for i don't, I don't want to say hardcore games but something more along the lines of traditional more traditional console games that we can release that have both controller support and touch controls. Mm. I do like the idea though, Colin of uh, a, a rhythm game specifically with Prapper the rapper or whatever. I feel like that would be super cool. Yeah, that's a great one. Also, uh, I, I they, sh- they, you know what they should, I know you shot down the Pokemon go idea, but, uh, and all augmented reality, a uh, heavy rain game where you're just looking for Jason, Jason, and you can like, <laughs> you have to say and then like <laughs> and then he responds i would love that with a little so balloon they have a little balloons in the background so i i don't want to be dismissive by the way i know you're joking but i don't want to be dismissive of a pokemon like experience i just think sony is going to be relying too much on it, yeah on something that's not going to happen it's very much like dreams where it's like this is just not going to happen so yeah yeah don't do also it. niantic is really the only studio doing that well and even they're like working on this like transformers thing that i don't, I don't even understand yeah harry potter got a niantic game too i think which no one 
really played. So yeah, it's so. It, it, it's got to be careful in this space. But I think I do think trophies will be like trophy connectivity will be a big thing for this if they if they somehow make it. They can do that, right? I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that. But I mean, Xbox not. did uh, it, right? Yeah, Dude, I think so. Do, did they? I thought that like that Halo game that they released had trophy support on phones oh, years yeah. ago. Wow, the twin not stick. trophy achievement, but you're talking about the twin stick, yeah? Right? Spartan Assault. Wow, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, and they released uh, that through I- iOS, right? So they, yeah. so like you can have your own, I guess, subsystem. In yeah, it. I, yeah, I guess, I guess that is definitely like that would be like the smartest thing to do at the, at the very least, like from the get go to like have trophy support in your games what about uh i i never really played this game but what about patapon isn't that like pretty simple yeah one, patapon would one be, or two yeah. buttons yeah patapon would be another one um loco roco would be another one loco roco oh yeah so god I miss there's a bunch that they can do i i would just love to see, i i just think that in the hardcore space the attractive hardcore space turn-based role-playing game rhythm game space shooter you just got to stay away from this other shit and yeah. uh i think they'll be i think it'll be golden so we'll find out what happens here but it's a good question nonetheless thank you for writing in and thank you all out there for your love kindness and support of our show it's time for us to go dustin do you have any closing comments any closing comments i know the playstation show mario golf even colin yeah i'm gonna buy it is is, is gonna check it out definitely and uh man i'm just so excited uh and also i'm pretty sure right now on my porch sack boy is waiting for me so i got that for 30 dollars nice, on, on amazon sale so i'm excited you know just uh hoping to relax a bit this weekend with some video games looking forward to it cool what about you chris any closing comments well uh i'm I'm gonna have to try and get as much of ratchet done because i'm actually headed up to big bear on uh on friday oh cool. what is this big bear? It's, it's it's like a little like uh some friends of mine are, we got a cabin we're gonna yeah it's like the wilderness in california fucking... oh yeah yeah cool. so hopefully i don't get like attacked by like a wendigo or anything or a big bear I'm not worried about bears so much as I am Wendigos. Mm, fair enough. They're far, Wendigos are definitely more objectively more threatening. than Yeah, bears. I agree. Big Bear is beautiful. There's so many beautiful places out there that I do miss. Like yeah, Tahoe I've uh, and stuff. yeah, I've yeah, I've never been. So uh, should be should be fun. Cool, man. We'll have fun. Be safe. Maybe we'll see you next time. Maybe we won't, depending on what yeah. happens. Uh, but thank you all out there for your love, kindness and support of our show. Again, patreon.com slash last media for more. Bit of a slow week this week, but I think I think things are going to pick up. I wonder if we will hear more about this abandoned game soon and uh, some first party stuff, there's rumored PlayStation ex- or not PlayStation experience, but state of play, which is apparently where this ghost of Tsushima game is going to be announced and all the rest. So we'll have more to say in the coming weeks, but thank you again for your love. Thank you for your love of defining Duke as well. And knockback. We'll see you next time until then. Goodbye. See ya. Take care guys. Oh, whoops. Oh, well, no, we fucked it up. We ruined it. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Ragon Maldonado. Sacred Symbols executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. 
Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenko, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, George Ghazi, Christian Rodriguez, Jod Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Brian Hernandez Espinoza, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Jordan Andow, Maverick Mazel, Chris Kelly, Andrew Meister, Evaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Evan Barr, Tal. Randall Halsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, Jimmy Dean Man, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Colleague Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Caleb Sittler, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Gavin Newland, Lockmort, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Chris Buston, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naaman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Hofeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Matthew Cooper, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andracek, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, William, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Matt Hazelbaker, Todd Paxton, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. 
inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.